0: for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. He's got it. 9-8-4. A world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal.
1: A perfect score. 10.0 for Dasha Camonese. A perfect score. The first time
0: I've ever seen it.
2: In over a hundred years,
3: nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion,
0: Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by Daylight, and setting a world record, 9.68, the wind is okay, how easy was
3: that? It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today. For our Atlanta edition, the centenary, we are here, it is 1996 all over again. Get your Coca-Cola flowing, get your Izzy out there, get your Donovan Bailey's, it's all happening. Kieran Perkins is in lane 8, he's gonna win gold and Daniel Kowalski's gonna choke because we are in Atlanta apparently. Uh, No, this isn't quite our Atlanta celebration episode, we might be doing that one day in the future, who knows. We're here to celebrate our 100th episode and they said we wouldn't last um, five years after we began. He said
4: we wouldn't last. That's
3: that's what it was. <laughs> both our listeners said we wouldn't last, and they were both wrong. Uh, their names are Colin and Jared. <laughs> um, but uh, it's an exciting episode, an exciting time, and uh, we're we're literally hours away from the Olympics. Uh, if they're not cancelled, we don't know yet, but. <laughs> It's an exciting time to be an Olympic fan right now and an exciting time to be listening to Off the Podium. I'm going to start off by saying that my name is Ben. I'm very excited to be here, to be back in the hosting seat and getting pumped up for Tokyo. I just mentioned both their names, but I'll introduce them each individually, including a man who is giving up watching tennis right now to talk to <laughs> us. He's wearing his green and gold. I can see tennis players in the background on his wall. their posters. He hasn't literally, like, stapled real tennis players to the wall, but they might be in the other room. I don't know. Jared Lubick. Jared, welcome back. It's a pleasure to hear your voice again. I don't think I've talked to you on this show for like a year or so.
5: It is a pleasure to be back. Always happy to uh, to talk Olympics. And uh, can we believe that it's actually going to happen? I mean, I feel like I'm going to jinx it by saying that, but the Olympics <laughs> are going to happen.
3: Yes. Well, we do a bit of a track record in some of our shows of saying things and then certain things happening. So if I do get oh, cancelled, we, we? we know who to blame. Yes, basically. Uh, and also joining us is a man who uh, is got a well has got a picture of a canadian olympian behind him and he's also wearing what's he wearing
4: my mogul shirt
3: oh he's got a of course it's a mogul shirt how did i not know that it's it's got all the (laughs) lumps all over it uh it's colin hilding (laughs) colin welcome back to off the podium
4: thank you in your intro you actually got me really excited we'd have a surprise walk on from muhammad ali but uh then i realized things like that aren't possible post-death
3: yeah, well, uh, they might be one day. Who knows? We might have the power to do that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited to have the gang back together because we've got some great things planned in, in the upcoming weeks, sort of uh, got some great episodes and uh, some things that we're going to do all together before we get into our daily coverage. But we're not here to talk about that right now. We're here to celebrate 100 episodes of Off the Podium. Now, we had a bit of a celebration episode for our 50th episode. That was just kind of me going, hey, it's our 50th episode. Let's have a clip show. And today... It's our 100th episode. We're going to have a clip show. But before we get to the clips, we're all going to talk about our memories and basically inflate our egos of how amazing we are at talking about the Olympics. Because we are now ranked in the top, what was it, 2050 Olympic podcasts. Top. We're in the top four. Like, we're, we're yeah. Canada's gold, basically, in that. <laughs> yes. So uh, we are a top-ranked Olympics podcast. Um, but memories uh, of doing this, I, I remember sort of, initially talking to you guys about doing this as a project and kind of i think it was all very quickly organized wasn't it before rio like it wasn't a thing that we planned out months before it was was almost like a what a couple of weeks before the games was it like i don't even Mm -hmm. remember the specifics well well, tell us the story colin i i just (laughs) i don't remember anything about this how did we start how did we get here A long time ago,
4: in uh, a galaxy far, far away. Uh, well, what I remember about this is uh, we uh, we were all working on another podcast, which is now dead and buried, uh, called Survivor Oz, or or Never I guess it. evolved into uh, the Oz Network, which you can hear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you had done kind of a one off episode on the the World Cup mm, with a couple right. Survivor contestants, Ethan and, and Abby. That was fun. yeah, Ethan and Abby, and yeah. and you'd sort of thrown it out there in our big group chat. Hey, I'm thinking about doing something similar for the Olympics if anybody's interested. And I don't know if we were looking to get you know Crystal on there or something. Crystal <laughs> Some would talk Olympics. about the
3: Olympics so much. <laughs> What's the Olympics? I don't know what these are.
4: <laughs> but uh, the idea originally was just we'd do you know something for our Survivor Oz show. that's Olympics. And I think uh, both Jared and I sort of were like, oh, yeah, we, we love the Olympics or whatever. We watch it all the time. And then it sort of became, well, let's sort of do this as our own podcast. And I, I, I vaguely remember, like, it being quick enough where we're maybe days before the Olympics. Like, what do we want to call this show? And it was a bunch of titles were out there. And eventually it was like off the podium was just randomly mentioned. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the one. And even the logo, the logo, which I don't even I think it, it, it was our logo for years up until maybe just a couple, uh, maybe a year or two ago. Uh, that was like maybe the day of the, the, the opening ceremonies where that came in. Uh, but the original idea was just to cover Olympic stuff. And then once it ended, it was like, okay, where are we going to go from here? And that's how interviews sort of started and Olympic bid episodes, so on and so on.
3: <laughs> yes. Those uh, inflate Ben's egos episodes that I love so much. <laughs> um, Jared, do you do you remember those those conversations and kind of your, I mean, obviously you chimed in, you, you're here. <laughs> Kristen's not here, sadly. So uh, you were obviously uh frothing at the bit uh i mean you know do you remember those initial moments when you thought yeah olympics let's talk about them
5: yeah i think the initial adrenaline kicked in and then when uh it got to the fact of oh this is going to be all the time every day for the next <laughs> however many days um and there might have been slight regret but um <laughs> no always happy to, to talk about olympics and um it's just been so much fun i think Like in terms of highlights, just all like the live commentary, the fact that you're able to kind of relive those moments again, talk through them, overanalyze them, pick out all the funny moments that you might not have noticed the first time around. Um, No, it's, it's just been great.
3: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because um, I was about to say this is our second spinoff of Survivor. It's actually our third, because Eurovision was our first. I think that came before 007, if I'm not mistaken. And then, obviously, 007 and now this. So, kind of, it was, it was always interesting getting all of you guys involved in Survivor Oz. And, obviously, we were a little bit restricted in terms of not being able to open the branches up a little bit. You know, like, Survivor Oz talks about Eurovision. Like, no one's mm. going to listen to that. Uh, no, listen to our spin-off show anyway, so it would never really matter. But um, it was kind of, it was fun to kind of get those up and running. And um, obviously, yeah, like Olympics has always been a passion of mine. So when it kind of was an idea and here we are. And yeah, I don't, I don't remember if it was always that plan to kind of do a daily episode during Rio. But mm. I have to say that was just beyond fun. And I I remember talking at the time going like, okay, like, I really hope we can do this for Pyeongchang. And because, you know, I've always said that I generally enjoy the winter games a lot more. And then I guess initially it was a plan that we would do a daily thing during the Commonwealth Games as well, because kind of we're all very close to that. And obviously that slightly happened, but I was working at the Commonwealth Games, so it kind of couldn't be something that, you know, could have happened. But it was still fun what we did there. But yeah, Colin, as you kind of pointed out, it was like, where do we go from there and to have that opportunity to then do some interviews, uh, with, with at that point, it was a lot of Rio Olympians. We had, a, obviously, a few gold medalists straight on and, and some other medalists. And then that kind of led into coverage before Pyeongchang. And then kind of, you know, I think we took about a year off, didn't we, before we came back. And sort of here we are now to our 100s because we've just been flowing through the the interviews. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Jared, I, I, I do have to say, I feel bad because, like, you're, you join us for these episodes, you join us for, like, the ones, and but you, you're never sort of on the interview episodes, and I'm not blaming you, that's that's a me thing and the Colin thing, we seemingly never invite you, I'm sorry for Come that. Come on, like, Jared, I mean,
4: pitch in once in a while.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are, are you wanting to join us? Like, go off at us right now if you're like, guys, I really, really wanted to interview, you know, Bree Walker, like, why didn't you invite me on? Like, I mean, is this something you're missing out on?
5: no i feel like the uh the listeners probably aren't ready for the level of interview skill that i bring to the show um i mean dream interview if you get shane gould on for an interview then definitely invite me for that we may not talk about the olympics we may just focus on her role in australian survivor but um and that's one that if you get it, you have to let me know.
3: Well, you know, it's really fascinating with Shane Gould is that I spoke to her a few years ago before she ever got on survivor. Cause, um, she obviously lives in Tasmania. She lives about a three hour drive from where I live now. And back then. And, um, she replied initially and was like keen and we exchanged emails and then it kind of just never happened. And then randomly she gets on survivor, spoiler alert, randomly, She wins survivor. Um, and then gets first boot in all stars. But, um, Obviously, through that kind of, you know, doing certain other shows, I'd I reached out to her. She never replied. But uh, another spinoff show, Australian Survivor Archives, download now. Uh, my co-host, Matt Dyson, was obviously the first boot of the season that she won. He's friends with her and she's apparently always said to him, like, if you're ever in Tasmania, come and stay at my Airbnb. So I've always kind of thought that, like, if I'm still here when we get to her season, I would go do it in person. Um, But also, I've constantly thought about, like, well, maybe she would be a good one just to come on to talk about the Olympics. Because, I mean, it's it's kind of weird to think now that you're almost more interested to talk to her about a reality TV show when, what, five years ago, she was an iconic, uh, still is an iconic, an Australian Olympian from, you know, what, she was like 16 at Munich and basically retired straight afterwards after winning about three gold. So... Yeah. Uh I'll I'll let you know, Jared. You can fly down and we can hang out with her in Bishino. Uh, cool. which Noah and I, I just, nearly got arrested in. So um, yeah. I
4: just want to point out when when you were saying that you said, you know, Oh, I always wondered if I'm still if I'm still here when we get to that season. And I'm like, none of us expected Ben to live this long, but I, I wasn't gonna go that dark.
3: <laughs> well, again, back to our point about having bad reputations on, on other shows and everything along those lines. But um <laughs> As I said, we're going to hear some clips in just a few moments. Sort of, uh, these clips will cover episodes fifty-one to ninety-nine. So um, basically. Go back and find episode 50. That is our sort of our clip show where we have best snippets from episodes one through to 49. There's a lot shorter ones of those because I think about half of those episodes were a bunch of old interviews that I'd done on another show. They weren't new interviews for this show with Olympians, so I kind of didn't want to put best solves from them when they weren't really from this show. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of Rio highlights from those, interviews of those sort of guests. So this is covering basically Pyeongchang, basically our daily coverage. So you'll hear a snippet from every single day of Pyeongchang. There are, there are even a couple of days where like I've included multiple clips because they're they're funny and I couldn't choose just one. And the myriad of interviews that we did, obviously a few episodes we did on the Commonwealth Games. Uh, there was an episode on discussing the postponement of Tokyo. There was the Hobart 2020 Olympic bid. There was, I think, a random 90 minute news episode. Um, I just want to ask you guys, like, because right now you two have not heard these clips, uh, so you're about to hear them now. Um, but I'll start with you, Jared. Do you remember any moments, particularly from Pyeongchang, that stood out to you? And hopefully, you name things that are have been included that we're about to hear. Otherwise, if not, honorable mentions. If if you don't hear them, I mean, what were some of your memories covering Pyeongchang?
5: Strongest memory, I think, was definitely the live commentary of the moguls. Um. <laughs> It was just a whole lot of fun. And I think to add to just how enjoyable it was, was the fact that if I'm remembering correctly, Ben, you may have been on a slight delay in the coverage.
3: Uh, no, that was during the rowing at Rio. Colin was one on delay in that time. But ah, yeah, it was, okay. It was when Kim Brennan won the gold and you guys are like done, over. And I'm oh like, she's in for it. She's
0: going to win the gold. <laughs>
5: Well, anyway, the, the, the moguls um, living for the Kazakhstan athlete, cheering oh. them on, um, Australia botching it as usual. Um, just that, I think the, I mean, this is kind of both uh, winter and summer, but the uh, Swiss multivitamin Jinx, <laughs> um, which sadly will not be continuing. Uh, oh. I think our new sponsor is Yopro, I want to oh. say something like that. So I'll definitely have to look into that and see if, see if the curse continues. Yeah. Um, Other than that, I think the opening and closing ceremony is always a highlight. Um, The fact that we had the, I want to say the Tongan athlete. Yep. Who was the flag bearer at at both. Um, And just the, the coverage bagging out the coverage, uh, Always cheering against the French. Um.
3: (laughs) Hey, we're changing that this year. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We have a new country we hate this year. It's fine.
5: And then uh, just the Winter Olympics is just all about the sports. I think like all the snowboard cross events, people uh, crashing out, the thrills and spills of it all. um, Yeah, they're probably
3: my highlights of, of, of Pyeongchang. And What about Boorang and Surang Boorang and Su Rang, yes. who could forget? Boorang Bu- and Surang. Oh, what what amazing times. Colin, what what about you? Did you I mean you actually in going through the clips, you missed a lot more of Pyongchang than I than I thought you, know, you did. Uh, I, you were sick, It, it wasn't too? it was Yeah, was not until you
4: said that that I remembered and I was able to place where I was at the time and um uh I, I now first of all, I just want to say the Mogul's one was great because I mean I was going to be waking up at 4:30 in the morning to watch that anyways. And it worked out perfectly that we could actually do. I think that uh, was, we're, we're going to have to find which sport we're going to do the live coverage. But that's sort of going to become, and I would say annual, but. Uh, there's
3: uh, only one. Why do we have to do one? If, if we don't commentate I mean, sports climbing, I'm quitting this show.
4: As long as we're not commentating surfing, because it's going to be a lot (laughs) of waiting. Come on. Rather commentate the
3: surfing than sailing. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Good point. Hey, wait Uh, till Paris when we start commentating breakdancing. Rhythmic gymnastics. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jared, Jared, you're down for that. (laughs) Jared's Jared's frothing at the bit to talk about ribbon tossing and dressage. I'm up for dressage.
4: Dressage, we're commentating that. That, that one's a given. We're, we're waiting for Bat Horse version two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, with, with Pyeongchang, I, I remember now that uh, around that same time period, I, I was very sick. It was probably the last time I was like really sick in my entire life uh so well within the last couple of years should just my entire life within a few years i'm only three years old i people. do remember uh, that
3: time that you collapsed recording twister at the door and passed yeah, out yeah well so. you,
4: it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that was a difference that was a stomach flu but i had the same thing happen uh during pyeongchang olympics which will explain my absence uh i i had i don't even know what it was a flu early version of covid who knows uh but I was so sick. I had such a bad cough and everything. And one day I remember I woke up and it was like, I don't know, six thirty in the morning. I work at eight o'clock and I walked out to the living room. I was going to get something to drink. And I basically, I'm like, Oh, I'm really tired. And I just lie down on the floor uh and about 25 minutes later i'm like did i just fall back asleep face down on the floor <laughs> and jamie's like do you need to call in sick at work today i'm like i think i do uh, i don't have think i'm issues
3: passing to... out you might need to see a doctor call that's <laughs> not normal. It's, happened,
4: it's happened two times in my <laughs> life Get off the drugs. And both both just times stopped. it was because of podcast coverage so i think ben may be the problem yeah that that's my excuse i here. have
3: that effect on <laughs> on canadians apparently <laughs> You
4: know. usually yeah yeah uh, but like uh, jared said you yeah, the, the the my name is segments are always great the the messages to the athletes are amazing uh and with all the interviews we've done it's interesting i, I was sort of looking back yesterday as i was pulling some of the the later clips that um that uh, i guess have aired over the last couple of months and i started to do the math and i'm like you know we've probably been more consistent in our coverage over the last year since the postponement of tokyo than we were in any year prior to that. But at the same time, had Tokyo happened, we would have crossed the 100 episodes during the Tokyo Olympics.
3: Yeah, and I on that, just to interrupt you, I I almost have a feeling we might either cross 150 before Beijing or during Beijing, judging on what coverage we are going to have. And we will talk about that at the end of the episode.
4: Yeah, because that's the other thing, we're only now six months away. Uh, But I mean, of all the interviews we've done, uh, I mean, I think the the Jamie Soleil one was great because, you know, you're you're a professional at this. I'm I'm more of an amateur. Well. <laughs> you were a professional at this. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, you were respectable, <laughs> but uh, you know, as a, as sort of an amateur interviewer when you can pat yourself on the back and say you were on an interview where you made somebody cry, now you're in Oprah territory. So we Oprah, Jamie Saleh. And and it wasn't like a thing where she's like, no, this is disgusting. I hate you guys. It was, she was legitimately moved. One of the stories she was telling and that that's definitely a a nice one that I'm excited about. And uh, some of the other ones, I just want to give shout outs for people to listen to here uh, that were really fun. You're, you're probably not even going to hear all the great clips in there, Uh, particularly the Sammy Joe Smalls. One is, is a gold mine of great clips uh, and that was one of the most fun ones that uh, we had. Uh, that I think that we did a couple. I think all the ones that Ben and I were able to interview people together were especially fun. And all, especially the the snowboarder, too, is another good one. What Miles, Miles Silverman. Silverman.
3: Yeah. Who's yeah, who, so, I mean, might not even be an Olympian. We, we don't know.
4: Yeah, we won't know yet. I mean, he, Ben probably jinxed
3: them <laughs> just by being on the show. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the off the podium curse in a minute, but um, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, we are going to talk about the off podium
4: curse. I mean, I, I have a, a clip which I don't know if we want to include it in this one when we talk about it, but uh, I may send that through to you later. Uh, yes, is that the then, one where
3: you basically lied to the author guy about like, oh yeah, get him on the show because we always win medals, or no, there was a guy. No, no, no. Episode one hundred and one, which I'm just spoiling. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I'll say it now. Um, one of the interviews you're going to hear, I have a separate clip from. Uh, it's from an Olympian who could have gone on to defend their gold medal and has recently just announced that he's dropped out due to injury. And on that episode, Ben says, we don't have the best track record, but I have a good feeling about you.
3: <laughs> Who's that? Derek Druin. Oh, right. Okay. The yeah. Canadian high jumper. So he's not in Tokyo, is he?
4: Yeah, he just announced uh, within Fuck. the last couple of days that he's out due to injury. And as I was pulling a clip from the Derek Druin interview, I'm like, I don't think we should include this on our best of, but it is funny that Ben says, I have a good feeling about you.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, again, I, it's spoiling our episode 101, you kind of also did the opposite there. Like, yeah, we have a great track record. You're going to win a medal in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, before I talk about that quickly, like, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about your favourite interview, like... I, I mean, I'm gonna just from a, a fan perspective. Uh, I know this wasn't. You're not gonna hear this on this episode. Go back and listen to it on our fiftieth. But getting into interv- interview Zali Steggall, who, I mean, at, as of right now in Australia, she's a much more prominent person because she's an independent politician in our parliament. She got elected to, to parliament basically since that interview. I, I clearly we get them elected to parliament. They just don't win medals. Um, <laughs> but from a from a fan perspective, interviewing Zali Steggall was a pretty big deal. Um, but yeah, I was gonna mention the Jamie Salay one as well because again, fanboying out. Uh, I've made two people cry in my career, at least from a professional standpoint. Um, uh, <laughs> and the fact that I got one of those was Jamie Soleil, uh, was was kind of kind of a big deal. And that's I think one of, if not our longest interview, right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in actually going through these clips, one that I, I forgot about how actually really good it was uh, was our interview with Ziggy, uh, the the water polo player from London who won a bronze. Who of course again Jared talking about Shane Gould, obviously probably a lot more known for Survivor now, and what I loved about that was just when I a- asked her to come back on to talk about the Olympics, she just lost. She's yes, please. She's like, no one knows me that I'm an Olympic medalist. They just don't even <laughs> want to talk to me about Survivor now. They don't care about the fact that I'm a freaking Olympic medalist. <laughs> like, Survivor, Survivor, Survivor. Like, I'm sick of talking about Survivor. So, uh, and I think that actually might be our longest ever interview that we had. So... You'll hear that clip. But, yeah, I just I wanted to mention the off-the-podium uh, the curse, uh, which, I mean, I feel we'll talk about in the coming weeks on our preview episodes because I don't want to go through all our Tokyo athletes now. We'll do that in our preview episode. But um, we currently stand at guests who have been on this show and gone on to an Olympics, a bronze medal in a relay where they should have yep. won gold, and they lost to Hungary. Oh. So- <laughs> and that, are you talking about Charles Hamlin? I am talking about Charles Hamlin. And that is
4: the saddest (laughs) one, because uh, Charles Hamlin going to that Olympics, it was basically he is about to become the most decorated Canadian Olympian of all time. And it didn't happen. And he says on that interview, you know what, this is going to be my final Olympics because he wanted to break that record. Well, we cursed him. And guess what? He's trying to come back for Beijing now, all because of us. We have postponed this man's career by four years. Who knows what damage we're doing to his health because we cursed him.
3: Uh, We'll talk about it at the end of this episode, but if there are any Canadian fencers listening to this episode, don't listen. (laughs) We are not saying any of this. It's not true. All our guests are multiple gold medalists after coming on our show. (laughs) Multiple. Like, Michael Phelps, eat your heart out. Um, So we'll go to these clips now, and basically we won't sort of say who they are. Basically it's going to be in order from episode 51 through to 99 uh, again, the majority of these are going to be Pyeongchang ones, but I just I just want to go through and name our individual people that you're going to hear basically in order, so you know who these people are. So, uh, Joni Badenhorst, Badenhorst, who you want to talk about choking? Well, not choking, wasn't our fault. Cursing, oh. I should say. She got injured. Like I think in the full interview, we talked about how she got injured before Sochi and couldn't compete. Same thing happened to her in Pyeongchang. She was like the uh, flag bearer for the Paralympics and she like injured herself and couldn't compete. So again, <laughs> that's our curse. Um, a sad one actually, episode 52 was uh, Alex Chumpy Pullen who obviously sadly in the last 12 months passed away. Um, and yeah, very, very sad to, to hear about him passing away so young. Younger than... All of us, basically, I think. So, uh, yeah, very sad for that. But you'll hear a clip there. Uh, Charles Hamlin, uh, Callum Watson, you from Andy Jung, Kalania Crane. Uh, then all of our Pyeongchang episodes, essentially, before we get to John Montgomery, our team number yes. one, okay. uh, which I recently listened to, Colin. It was a great interview. Uh, Aaron Brown, Ella Easton, who sadly didn't make the, the sports climbing team, but this was obviously before they were announced. Uh, Brendan Rodney, Nicola Ziggy Cottrell, Jamie Soleil, Charlotte K. Haslick, Kylie Mass. Uh, Has she made the team this week, Colin? I saw your swimming trials are on this week at the moment. Yeah, she qualified. Good honor. All right. She won't win another medal, clearly. Uh, Sammy Joe Small, <laughs> uh, Brittany McLean, Derek and Miles Silverman, Tom O'Halloran, Brianna Walker, Jill Officer, Mike Harris, Tessa Virtue. What a name. You talk about names we've had on this show, yeah. Colin. Wow. That's like us landing in thought one day, Jared. Like, that is a big deal that we got Tessa Virtue on the show. Nathaniel Maher and Pat Melgares. Is that how I'm saying the name correctly Pat there? Pat Melgares, yeah. Melgares. So, uh, you can hear all of them right now sit back for the next couple of hours and listen to all of these and we'll be back to wrap things up and tell you what we're up to for episode 101 and onwards as we celebrate our 100th episode on Off The Podium. How does, that, how does that feel? I can't imagine that's a, a very good feeling. I mean, I read one interview that you gave that you said as soon as that happened, you were thinking straight to Korea, but I, I can't imagine that at some point you're like, oh shit, like seriously, this has to happen today.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I, you could not have put it better. I, I don't even, I can't describe the level of annoyance and frustration that goes into something like that. So basically, we get a couple of training runs before the event starts. I was number 12 of the girls, which means the last of the girls to either train and also compete. So I was the last girl on course for training before they shut down all of training and started the event. So we were like 25 minutes out of the event. And I go down and I misread a feature that I've been having trouble with all day um, because, you know what, I'm not – the best snowboarder I'm, i was not the best of the girls out there i was so fresh and so new it was very easy for me to misread and misunderstand the course and i hit it and i landed upside down tomahawking through the bee netting i collapsed my hip i broke my knee and i got taken down in the bucket a couple of minutes before the actual race started and wow. you know what I went down in that bucket and while I was going down I closed my eyes and I just said to myself how can this happen again like I had a flashback of London again in front of my eyes I had a flashback of my actual accident because I wasn't sure how severe my damage was because I was in so much pain I couldn't think you know straight and I just came down to the bottom and I was just like Joni are you kidding me like how can you do this to yourself again. You are so dumb. You're incredibly dumb and I'm angry at you, no one else. And then, you know, I got to the bottom and I saw my oh, my beautiful dad waiting for me and he's just smiling and happy that I'm okay and, you know, my eyes are open because he, you know, he's been through this once before and – He just looked at me and at that moment I was like, no, that's so unfair. You've never seen me even compete. And the one time you fly to Russia to see me compete, I do this. No, that's no, just I'm going to do this again and I'm going to do it right. And I think that's when it flipped over. I was like, yep, Korea, you're on my list.
3: Wow. Wow. So they already got then uh, their tickets for uh, PyeongChang next year ready to go then?
6: (laughs) They're so, oh, I've got the most amazing parents. I've got a little tin uh, savings bank that they kind of constantly drop notes and they're just <laughs> like, it's Korea. So they're definitely going. We've been saving for a while, so they won't miss it for the world.
0: Is there
3: much sledging when you're going down the course? I mean, not necessarily off the course on the way up to the run, but like, you know, halfway down the course, you're bumping and driving, you know, can you drop a few little sledges there at the time, champion, and be like, you know, you just get, get on their nerves a little bit?
7: Yeah, I'd say that happens a bit if there's a US riders <laughs> in, the, in the heat. Um, tends to be a bit more noise around, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, you know, sometimes it's it's most of the time just to make people aware of where you are, or if you're, you know, on the inside and maybe in a blind spot, you can sometimes sort of say on your inside or something like this. But um, there's also a beauty in, you know, kind of utilizing or, or using that surprise element to make a pass. Um, most of the time, you're trying to be dead quiet and sneak up on people as you're passing so they don't know to shut that line down. But Again, there's certain situations where two riders can cause an unnecessary crash, um, and a bit of awareness can maybe help in that situation. Um, but yeah, that's that's where it gets back to experience. You know, knowing who you should maybe lend a mention to, and who you should maybe keep keep your mouth zipped, and and just work on getting through them, depending on who it is. So, you know, um, there's definitely, I, I think. You know, as far as the sport goes, it's, it's pretty clean. And it'd be similar to MotoGP. Um, I kind of refer back to that a bit. You've got guys that are riding incredibly close together, taking really tight race lines on extremely fast bikes. And there's obviously quite a lot of danger with that. They're, they're, when they crash, they're crashing with their bodies. There's no roll cage, and that's much the same as us at high speed. Um, and even in the sense of trying to keep, you know, your speed throughout the track and and, uh, and hold speed throughout the turns, the last thing you want to do is actually be crashing into everyone. Um, you know, it's probably something that gets a bit uh, misunderstood with our sport. Is, you know, that's a bit of a tactic, fly out the inside and take people out. But, you know, it can happen. Um, but one one thing, you won't last very long on tour because people <laughs> will, will be pretty fed up with you and there's tend to be a bit of a gentleman's agreement against that sort of thing. Um, and and plus you know as you'll see with pikes, it's better to try and just keep it clean ride ride through the turn and take the battles down the straight where where everyone can stay nice and clean and, and hold their speed and not cross you know maybe two riders that are battling for position another two spots while the guys behind are able to pick them off so mm. again it, it depends who you're in a heat with there's some riders some Countries that have different (laughs) styles that tend to be a
3: bit dirty, if I'm allowed to say that. But I want to know where these countries are championing. I kind of feel like you need to say them.
4: And I know growing up, you know, even during like the, the, even like long before Vancouver, the, the 90s, speed skating just seemed to be something that was big for Canada. And it it feels to me like every time I watch the Olympics, it's just Canada and Korea over and over again. But then, like you said, in Vancouver, it just got so much bigger. I mean, one of the biggest things that happened was with the, you know, the the two medals you won and how close they were together, which it was on the same day, wasn't it?
8: Yeah, it was on the same day, it was a, there was a 35 minutes in between the two uh, two medals. (laughs) How do you even recover within 35 minutes? Like,
4: (laughs) how do you catch your breath? (laughs)
8: uh actually i don't remember uh catching my breath in between those two medals <laughs> because uh, uh the excitement of winning the first was so big getting to the room having the the all the the team in in the room like cheering for cheering for me um was so overwhelming and on my on my home soil in vancouver with my family my friends in the stand it was so amazing then i think it was just like the um uh, I got left by by the 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 events. Like I think, g- leading us to the um, to the relay, all the four boys. Mm-hmm. We got in a room together with the coach, get focus, refocus again, and I think just by uh, by having uh, already a medal uh, around my neck uh, before the relay, uh, put my confidence really high, and we we had no doubt that there was only one option in that race and it was to win the gold medal again. And uh, we just did it with a, with a perfect relay.
3: You must hate traveling sometimes. And if you got that amount of skis, <laughs> I could imagine going through like check-in and all that sort of stuff with all of that, but sometimes
9: be a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, it's challenging. Yeah. I mean, with, with the classic skis being, you know, two hundred and five centimetres long as well, so you you getting through airports is a real battle. Um, <laughs> I I absolutely hate travelling uh, on planes full stop. It's just an absolute nightmare. I once you once you dump those bags and get them through without hopefully being stung for excess baggage, you're uh <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's a real relief, I can tell you that. I'm never gonna
3: complain ever again if I've just got like one bag or something like that. It's like, oh, I'm so sick of carrying this all the time. Like I'll think of you next time I'm traveling going, okay, this is nothing
9: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh it's um it's it's particularly hard when you when you when you are travelling by yourself and you you've got to carry all that stuff uh, to the airport and, and all that as well. It's it's a heavy load and uh, you know to just have that's that's the thing though. Like you you've got to you can't take more than what you can carry. So you've you've got to you know getting on on and off trains and stuff. It's it's a disaster I can tell you that. But uh, it's uh, it's something that you sort of learn a fine art of. Uh, on it's not it's not cheating the system, but it's uh, it's certainly. Making full use of uh, being allowed to take coats and laptop bags and things like <laughs> that into carry-on carry-on luggage and uh, yeah, for example, I uh, I didn't I didn't have a computer in my computer bag. I filled it full of roller ski wheels, which are actually quite heavy, and that that bag, which they never weigh, was about. 12 or 14 kilos wow clever that's that's how you that's how you get the uh get the kilos up yep (laughs)
3: there you go there you go this is uh the travel tips we're learning here have you ever done discus colin Uh, that's a weird question i never thought i'd ask you but hey we're Uh, on the topic (laughs) i mean
4: I don't know if it's the same in Australia, usually right near the end of the school year, you'd have like track and field day. So there'd be like discus shot puts stuff like that there. I don't remember ever doing it. Well, um, I guess when I was watching this, my wife couldn't have cared less when I was watching hurdles or uh sprinter or anything like that. But every time it was like hammer throw or javelin or discus, she was all into it. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe some Danny Stevens rubbed off on her. We were at the beach the other day, and I'm just picking up rocks to get my son to learn how to throw it. And she's like, hey, look at me. I'm doing discus. And she's just throwing it, not doing it properly. But yeah discus is caught on there so danny stevens maybe does have the impact of a mo farah
3: i, I was always shot put because i was fat and that's generally the one that the fat kids did man. <laughs> <laughs> i was there. and tug of war i got a second place in grade six tug of war got to go if, to the interschool championships the and we won the first place me- uh medal or whatever it was so
4: if we're going around the table jared what was your track and field event <laughs>
3: Um, Oh, probably 800 meters, 1,500. Oh, you're the middle distance man. I like it.
4: <laughs> I was terrible. I get to tell you, I was the worst high jumper in history. Oh, God, me Where too. <laughs> There were special needs kids in my class that got it, and... The the gym teacher held me back for recess to teach me how to do it one on one. But long jump, I will say, long jump, I was the king of long jump.
3: I remember high school. Um, I just wanted to do all the field events because I think in primary school we didn't really like you did tug of war, but there was no field events in primary school. It was just all running. The best one I always had in primary school was the obstacle course. You know, you had to like run like you know five meters, take the shoes off, go through hoops, get in a sack, jump around a witch's hat. Uh, you know, it was just it was just fun. And, but yeah, like high school, I was like, fuck yeah, we get to do field events. I'm going to do everything. And then grade eight, I realized I suck at everything. So I'm just going to sit and watch. <laughs> do they put you on a scale and say, shot put? <laughs> um, I don't think they do with the field events. I know they did in the, in the sprinting. And I remember, I think grade eight, cause like, it was all voluntary. You didn't have to go in it, but I think grade eight, you know, I had a shit time in high school. Everyone hated me, but I think it was the last time I ever competed, you know, in my outstanding athletics career. And I was put in the lowest division of 100 metres in grade 8, and I got dead last. So <laughs> there was a photo that was in, like, the newsletter of me, like, flailing my arms around.
4: <laughs> you were so hated in high school that they would look for bad pictures of you to publish.
3: <laughs> they would literally... The only time they'd put my name in the newsletter is if, like, I got a letter published in TV Week or something like that.
4: So... <laughs> did, you, um, did you, by any chance... Yeah, do so poorly in the 100 metre because you're holding a giant ball under your chin <laughs> trying to
3: toss it.
1: Where's the stunt
0: foot?
3: It didn't quite work. Yeah, that's Exactly. <laughs> I was so good at the 100 metres. I was the same bolt that had to kind of, you know, weight me down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you might have answered this. Uh, you kind of seem like you like McDonald's, mm-hmm. but uh, what is your guilty
1: pleasure? Guilty
0: pleasure. Hmm.
1: Mm. Well, go to Mecca's. <laughs> get a thick shake. Get a milkshake. What? What? What With flavor?
3: What flavor are we thinking With a cheeseburger. The oh, chocolate. Oh, chocolate. oh I'm, awesome. I'm thinking chocolate right now. Okay. So, chocolate Chocolate shake. A cheeseburger. Um. So every time I go it's to McDonald's, McFlurry. Andy, are are you a, a McFlurry, McFlurry, good answer. So, so what you're saying basically is, every time I order myself a cheeseburger, a McFlurry, and a chocolate shake from McDonald's, I can say that I'm eating like an Olympian. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Great. You I've know, got Mac, the it's, like, it's a sponsor from Olympics, so it is. Don't it's they right? have McDonald's in the Olympic Village? It is. Yeah, it's free. Oh, wow. Okay. Reasons to become an Olympian. You get free McDonald's in the yep. Athletes' Village. That's it. Like, gold That's medals. Actually the reason. Free Big
1: Macs. <laughs> I'm actually very sad because, you know, like, I have to race from the day one until, like, at the end. Mm-hmm. So I can't really go to Macca's. That's like the saddest point of like closing
3: ceremony. You were there. You were there from six a.m. on the day of the closing ceremony. Everyone's all like, "Yeah, party mode. Yeah, great." And you're just like, "Fuck you all. I'm lining up day one. I'm eating my McDonald's. I'm getting my two weeks worth of free McDonald's in one day."
1: You know, I might gain like ten kilos in like two days. So. well if i retire after this season that's that's why
3: you've got four more years to beijing i mean come on like you know (laughs) what's 10 kilos you can lose that you're you you know you're a professional
1: athlete you know come on (laughs) it's so hard well i guess like it's good that i'm an athlete so that i can eat everything and well i guess maintain the weight or i would just be an like really fat Asian boy walking on the street with <laughs> ma- um, Big Mac, so <laughs> <laughs> oh. having like Chinese takeaway, yeah, walking down the street casually <laughs> eating noodles, you know. <laughs> So oh, this is <laughs> I'm this. happy
3: I'm an athlete Yep, this is just This is great And like as we said uh, Given that when Australia does eventually host the Winter Olympics And we do add that sort of physicality To the, sh- the sport of short track speed skating You know, if you bulk up a little bit mm-hmm. You know, you're a bit pudgy That's going to make it better for you When you're like sort of nudging, you know uh, What was his name? Shinky from the, the Netherlands And all these other sort of people like that along the way So, you know, you've got to think about st- strategy For the future in the sport, Andy
1: <laughs> yeah no, i'll try that
3: yeah yeah good maybe I, maybe I should try that yeah do it i mean you know like you're mentioning that they're a bit chubby and <laughs> you're known for a little bit but like surely they can't disqualify you for impeding if it's just a body part like if a you know like a stray bit of fat yeah, like, like wobbles like, off your suit like that, that's not you impeding that's just a part of your body yeah it's just you yeah. Just flapping my belly. Then, you know. That would be my issue. That's if I became a short track speed skater. <laughs> a, would I fit into the suit? Probably not. And B, uh, when it comes to the, the shoving side of things, you can't disqualify <laughs> me if a piece of my body hits someone. I'm not doing it deliberately. It's just how gravity works.
1: Mm. Yeah, so true. I like this strategic if try answer. to match me, I'm just like just stay, stay, um, standing still. So. Then I fall over. <laughs> cause I'm just like a <laughs> bouncy ball. I don't know. It just bounced
3: uh, off me. I can't wait to watch the Olympics in a couple of weeks to see when you are interviewed <laughs> by Channel 7 and you have like the most serious questions put to you and just, you know... Getting ready for competition, and then people realize that this interview exists where we've talked you up and then also talked about um, putting on weight to knock people off with fat rolls. That's generally how short track speed skating works in our (laughs) mind. (laughs) Here and off the podium. Um.
10: I want to help dogs. (laughs) Because um, I burst into tears the other day. I have a a story to tell. I was at the ice rink and there was a stray dog in between my sessions. I was outside and it it, it was so skinny, it obviously hadn't eaten in a long time and the fur was gone off it. So I ran back inside and I got my food that I packed for the day and I gave it to the dog and then I had to go back inside to put my skates on for my session and my coach, Asked me, um, you know, how I was doing and everything. And I just burst into tears Mm. before I got on the ice. And he's like, he was laughing at me. He was like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I I was just like, but the dog... Dog, and, and I was so distracted, and uh, oh, like I was, and then I got back home to my mum, and she's like, "Why didn't you take it home with you?" And I, was like, I didn't know I was allowed to do that. Wow. That
3: dog. Okay, dogs, dog. I like that. That works. Just, just avoid seeing any dogs before you go out to compete for the Olympics. Just. Just some Oh, advice. Well
10: at US National Championships, they had dogs in the like after you leave the Kiss and Cry, they had little puppies. Oh. And I think you should invest in puppies at every event.
3: There you go, okay. Just don't make make sure they don't throw them on the ice though like they do with the flowers, because that would be a bit awkward. But they can um,
10: slide them
3: on slide the ice. Slide them on the, the ice. The ice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> puppies on on skates. There you go. That wins that the was Olympics. Just so cute. Yes. <laughs> has actually just come out uh, that Livia Lassila has turned down the opportunity to be our and she's a five time Olympian easily you know up there in our top you know most decorated Olympians I think alongside Tora Bright and Dale Begg-Smith, as our most successful Winter Olympians ever, you know, been on this show. She's a legend and she's just qualified. She's come back into the sport. Uh, she had a baby and she's just a legend. Uh, but, Jared, I don't know if you saw this news, but she's she's turned it down to focus. She doesn't want to be distracted and no distractions uh so she's basically said no i don't want to carry a flag into an opening ceremony because that's going to distract me too much
4: <laughs> what no distractions from having a baby
3: well <laughs> and the olympics i guess um but i mean surely jared and, and colin you were on this because you actually did the interview with her but it's got to be brit cox doesn't it jared i mean who else is it going to be scotty james maybe but i reckon it's going to be brit cox yeah i hate the pressure on i i say yeah Uh, colin you'd obviously like to see uh our our brits aussie brits carrying the flag yeah
4: yeah well i mean it it was so weird because like i'll watch the moguls every time it's on tv so even just watching uh the world cup um not the one that was in calgary but the other canadian one they had and they kind of show highlights of the qualification highlights of you know the semifinals or whatever and then it's only at the end when I'm like oh we got one or two skiers left to go and I'm like wait a second she's not even in here like what went wrong and I was thinking to myself like is she sick was she injured did somebody kill her like how is it possible she's not in the finals here so I don't know as long as she's alive and well I mean I, she's pretty much your your best bet for any medal let alone you know
3: a gold's pretty much a lock at this point for her yeah like we're gonna to get to that in a second um, I'm just looking here so a lot of other countries have named their flag bearers I'm so happy to say that the uh, Danish flag bearers who I predicted it's Elena Moller-Rigas uh, speed skater that's, that's an honour that he or she deserves I'm gonna say it's a she Um <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> he or she is really um, It's a she. It's a she, yes. Um And uh good news for you, uh Jared. I know you were hoping for this that uh Croatia's flag bearer will be Natiko Zurnik Dim. So uh you got your wish.
11: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I'm
5: very excited about that. Um but not as excited as Tong's Thomas Flag Bearer, oh. which is Thomas Flag Bearer from the Summer Olympics. <laughs> oh, he's back!
3: What? He's back.
2: <laughs> is he competing? Get a loincloth
3: on the ice. <laughs> Who no, knows? Is he competing or are they just like, oh, we're not actually here. We thought we'd send him again.
5: <laughs> no, no he, he's competing. Evidently, it's very easy to pick up cross-country skiing <laughs> within two years.
3: <laughs> Oh, this is why the Winter Olympics are amazing. Tonga just sitting around going, oh, let's go to the Winter Olympics. Who oh the the guy, let's send him That's awesome. Um wow, that's that's incredible. I just (laughs) I just cannot believe that I just saw the words New Zealand second in the Winter Olympics. I know it's a heat. But I'm like, that's just not funny. That's not on. Jared, where are we? What's happened to Australia? We snowboard. We won gold in snowboarding. What's New Zealand doing there?
5: Yeah, I'm I'm terribly confused. That was actually my highlight from the Parade of Nations as a the whole. They've only won one medal at the <laughs> Winter Olympics. And I was like, yep, let's keep it that way.
3: No more medals, please. And this is just this is <laughs> devastating. Perfect segue, Jared Lubick. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, here we go. We've been waiting for the Parade of Nations now. Yes. Now I want to tie this in with a little bit of Channel Seven stuff here for for Jared and I for our Australian uh, audience. I mean, now you also were watching the Australian coverage? Um, now I was not listening to what
12: the Australians were saying. You Just did not miss it. a
3: single thing uh, <laughs> because a we were missing Bruce and no opening the only ceremony. Time. I didn't even hear what you just said there. You sounded like a robot, one of the ones that were, like, droning. Um, I did not like seeing an opening ceremony without Bruce. Jared, where was Bruce? Do you know where Bruce was? Bruce wasn't there, and I'm not happy about this.
5: Yeah, I think Bruce has to be... At home for the uh, summer of horse racing, which they're trying to promote, and I'm like, the Winter Olympics are on. Or do I watch horse racing? Like, it's not even an option there. Um, but yeah, like, where is he? Get him over there. Get him. Just get Quick. him on Skype. Um, he doesn't need to be there. He can commentate both at once. He's Bruce. He can do anything. Get him on the commentary team, please.
3: And and this is the thing. Like, Bruce is every man. Like, and Mallory was like, "Who's Bruce?" And I'm like, "You'll be in Australia. You'll know who Bruce is soon." Uh, we didn't get any. ooh, I want to take yous or anything like that. But we got plenty of these. As I'm going to go along here, and uh, just quickly, I swear, Channel Seven have sent their B team. Just, they're just. I've never heard of half these people. Whoever that woman That's is, generous. Who, who was that woman with Hamish McLaughlin? She's ter- she's terrible. Who is she? <laughs>
0: oh,
5: I don't know. I like. What was with her whole like name dropping every two seconds? Oh yes, I've met this person. I've met that person. This person gave me their number. Like, <laughs> oh no, 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 I don't you're thinking know of Jack- I don't care. No,
3: that's that's Jackie Cooper. We'll get to her. I'm talking about the other one who was in the other uh, the bit. All right, so
4: here's our douche of the year, and I don't know what anybody's feelings are, but uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with Lindsay Vaughn, right?
3: Oh yes, I am.
4: Yeah, you have to be familiar with Lindsey Vonn. All right. So they cut to her. Now, they're mostly doing Canadian interviews, but they cut backstage to her. And CBC's interviewing her. They were one of the most talked-about American athletes in her final Olympics, or whatever, going on and on. So they interview her. And, like, she's she's as intelligent as Ryan Lochte, you can tell within a second. When they ask the question about, you know, which of these other countries are you most excited about seeing? She goes, I want to see China. They have uh, really nice long jackets. <laughs> And then there's just this awkward pause. And like, all right, thank you. Back to you, Scott.
3: <laughs> yeah, we found it. We found it already. It's taken us one day. Lindsay Vaughn, thank you.
4: And just just to further prove it, I'm gonna read some of Lindsay Vaughn's tweets on her way to yum <laughs> Chang. <laughs> um so hopefully we get to Korea. Apparently we don't have the right documents to fly. About two hours on this plane so far and just sitting at the gate. Some Germans and Italians on the plane too. <laughs> Hashtag can we fly now please? Like I don't She's like some Germans and Italians like it almost sounds like mildly racist. <laughs> like, okay. as if you, this... If this is like 1950s, like, there's a black guy in the front, (laughs) a Jewish guy in the rear. (laughs) And and
3: also, NBC seemed to be getting on board with this too, Colin, because I'm just reading here a headline uh, from NBC Olympics. Entering her final Olympics, Lindsay Vaughn is taking no chances with germs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) NBC always breaking the big news stories. (laughs)
4: I gotta find some of these other ones here. Um, where is it? I, I, oh, right here on her Twitter. Okay. Uh, okay, so this is weird. The poor guy next to me wasn't feeling well, so he deplaned. Was it something I said? But I didn't say a peep. Hashtag feel better, dude. <laughs> I don't understand this woman. <sighs> uh. Um. I'm single because I only have eyes for the Olympics. Also, where's my pep talk, coach?
3: I'm a a woman in the morning and a woman in the night.
4: Yeah, and a lot of pictures of her dogs. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, Lindsay Vaughn, I'm putting out. We're going to have to find Lindsay Vaughn's dumb tweet of the day or
3: something. (laughs) And coming soon, what would Lindsay Vaughn do to... (laughs) NBC (laughs) featuring Ryan Lochte ethnically
4: profiling Germans and Italians
3: why are like overly attractive American Olympic athletes so dumb (laughs) like Ryan Lochte hot Lindsey Vonn hot they're just dumb can these two just marry each other they're probably the smartest babies don't let them procreate that's not right for the human race they'd probably produce a Nobel Peace Prize winner (laughs) why did you become so smart because my parents are so dumb Oh <laughs> Is that all you have to say about the opening ceremony? <laughs>
4: uh I, I, yeah. I mean how can you top Lindsay Vaughn <laughs> racially profiling people on a plane? <laughs>
3: I do I do like uh, Valerie's Ballerie's change of profile picture too, Rudolph the red-nosed Bermuda man.
0: Uh...
3: <laughs> <laughs> he really does have a bloody bright red nose. I know <laughs> Felt so bad for the guy. <laughs> He's crying. Let me go home. <laughs> We're going back to Bermuda. Jared, what do you have to say about the Parade of Nations? Well, we had uh, Channel 7's
5: excellent coverage. Yes. um, Which immediately, like, straight off, just started breaking. The golden rule of the Parade of Nations is say who the flag bearer is just for every country. And I think they did it for the first two, and then they missed about ten in a row. And I'm just screaming at the, like, TV, just tell me who the flag bearer is. Just put a little, like caption on the screen who it is. I, I don't need to know that the Norwegian team made a mistake with Google Translate and bought fifteen thousand eggs instead of one thousand five hundred. <laughs> Tell me who the flag bearer is like it was just ridiculous like luckily it got better. But I was like, that's the golden rule of of commentating that is you say the flag bearer, then say whatever else like you want to say about the country. But oh and just they were typical it wasn't as good as Rio but the lines like when Madagascar walks in like <laughs> Madagascar the name of a great kid series
13: <laughs> tell me the flag
0: bearer <laughs>
5: Yeah, I was going to say our team didn't have any problems filling the gaps and the breaks in the uh, ski jump because we had plenty of content ready and raring to go. Um, Yeah, I mainly just watched the the ski jumping, um, which I thought was great, although I would be interested to know if you accidentally go uh, somehow trip and, and, and go down the slope before the green light goes is that automatic disqualification i mean is that the same as diving into the pool before the starter's gone um so i would love to know what happens in that situation uh but yeah that this ski, ski jumping i don't understand how it's so enthralling i was sitting there watching it with the delays i'm like why am i still like why am i still up at this point point? and i just could not go to sleep but <laughs> i had to know who won i was like this commentary is not giving <laughs> anything. I don't know, like, what you have to do to do a good jump. It looks like they all start the same. How come some go further than others? Uh, is this rigged? What's happening? Um, but yeah, somehow it's enthralling watching people go down a hill and 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 just jump and, and look like idiots in in ridiculous, hideous outfits. Um, particularly the
3: Polish team. It's it's kind of like watching my dad watch My Kitchen Rules because he's literally watching people like cook food and like a French judge and Australian judge try to make it so dramatic of taking a bite out of like a a truffle or something like that, to which they stare at a camera for five minutes. Yes, Colin, this is quite, you know, dramatic pause, dramatic pause. Delicious, and it's just like like what what Edible. like what is this? And like the ads I'm watching for My Kitchen Rules this week are showing that there's going to be some dramatic like someone's getting murdered in the kitchen or something. Jared, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, you will not want to miss this week's My Kitchen Rules. It is so unmissable. We talked about for weeks in Australia. Like Jesus Christ, Channel Seven. Someone's going to burn a soup or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. There, like I I was I love the ski jumping and. It's like, I want to be one of those volunteers who move that, like, uh, the seat down. Like, when somebody decides I want to jump down a little bit lower, a little bit higher, there's like five Koreans Mm -hmm. who lift, like, a seat up with the Olympic rings on it for them to sit down. The geek. The gate. Thank you. There's a technical term for it. I also want to be a ski jumping coach because these poor ski jumpers are freezing their little bodies off in their tight little skin tight suits and they're all hugging them. They're all giving them like a woolly jacket like, going, oh, it's okay. It's okay, mate. Let's, like, let's stay warm. Stay warm. And uh, well, I think we could have gotten free tickets to the ski jump because again, there was no one there. Like there was no one at the ski jumping. Those stands were emptier than the stands at the Athens Olympics. Like there was
2: just no one there. <laughs>
1: The
3: fog is building up in the uh, the kiss and, kiss and cry screen here. Oh, no, they've cut away. Oh, she's in the lead. Keaton McCargo. Oh, there we go. She's yeah. happy with that.
4: But Jared's omniscient Kazakhstan is next. Oh, Jared, take and us through with this
3: one. Can you take us
4: through here? Come
5: on, Yulia. Mogul, 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 <laughs> mogul. <laughs>
11: Slow
5: time. Not feeling it. Oh. Hurry and gets a last jump already, <laughs> and she's done a forward flip, grabbed the skis. She's done that fake turning thing at the end that the judges don't like. 30. Jared's 60. ahead of me again.
3: Oh. Uh, just an update. The five the... Kazakhstan fans are really happy with that performance. Uh, so I was just going to interrupt and say, breaking news: Canada currently sitting in twelfth in the lose. Reid Watts. Uh... It's currently 0.783 behind the leader.
0: <laughs> Jared, if you're getting pumped up mute she's, yourself. She's,
5: she's, she's, off. <laughs> she's off, she's off, she's off. Go for Yulia. section clean. Uh, backflip tucks the legs uh, into the mogul 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 mogul. <laughs> uh, the speed is looking decent. Good. She's slowing down. She's slowing down. Not even at the second jump yet. The speed isn't looking decent anymore. Uh, front foot grabs right. the legs. Doesn't really grab the skis properly. <laughs> 30.14. She's devastated. Oh.
4: I, I think I think I put Casper on a toboggan once and he made it down quicker than that.
5: <laughs> the Kazakh fans do not know what's going on and they're celebrating like she's won.
3: Kazakhstinians think... typical... <laughs> I don't think Kazakhstan will be adding to their seven winter medals uh, that they've won. Uh, just because I knew that off by heart, I'm a very big fan of the Kazakhstan Winter Olympic team. We're about to see whether or not two Australians on this show go off in a more I'm ways. Unit, just so I don't spoil anything. And since anyway, since I did back in 2006, and Dale beck Smith won the men's moguls. We've actually never had an actual Australian win the Moguls before. Is it Britt Cox's turn to shine? She looks down the course. She's ready. Moments away from being a Campbell or a Smith. Who will she be? It's getting windy at the course too. That wind is blowing again. Her ponytail is going everywhere. But she's off. She's moguling. She's left. She's right. She's left. She's right. She's left. She's right. Oh, a bit of a bump there. She waves her hands up there. A bit of an extra pump there. Don't know if that was to pay attention to the judges. She's taking the middle course here, though. Britt Cox really pumping it over there. Oh, she looks like she's losing a bit of control there, but I think she's going to get it right on this mogul. That's a favorite mogul right there. Perfectly turned on it. She loves it. (laughs) It's always a favorite of hers. (laughs) The knees together. Up, over, tuck, straight, land. She's on for a very fast time here. Britt Cox, 28.29. Oh, what a run. Britt Cox, you little beauty.
4: I will say there were definitely some flaws, though, in her run. So.
3: Oh uh... no! I'm saying the score.
4: What is it?
14: Boo!
3: <laughs> She's a Campbell sister. She's in fifth, seventy-five point oh. Wait, no! That's
4: why I. That's why I muted it because I think I audibly gasped the first mistake I saw, and I'm like, I don't want to spoil this for Ben.
3: Oh
15: but no! I'm sorry to
4: say she spoiled it for you, Ben.
3: What's going on? Australia have pulled in Australia. We are currently in New Zealand's fourth and fifth. Wait, so just need to the point medals. So so, is, so let's be honest here. There's two good things here that can happen. If Andy Naughty wins, Andy Naughty's about to start. she's a gold medalist. If she fails and finishes yes. sixth, we equal New Zealand yes. in fourth and fifth. <laughs> yes. Andy, months from now,
4: you are going to be back on the show and telling us how you won the gold medal.
3: Is she is she started yet? <laughs> she
4: started. She started. Go, she started. Go, Colin. All right, there's not going to be much commentary here oh, oh, the most oh, oh, moment my life. Oh, shut up, Jared. <laughs> okay, so she has just taken Brit's favorite mogul and she's having a similar issue. No! No!
3: No! Bad Andy. Bad Andy. <laughs> What just happened? Don't tell me France is gonna win a gold! France just won the gold! Oh no, Andy! So if you come on off the podium, we are the problem! Oh, she's a DNF! Oh no, a her! Oh. No! Oh, I didn't stay up till midnight to watch a French person win a gold no. medal! Andy, we're so sorry She's never coming back on the show now Oh, it's a cat's fault Oh god, she's gone off well off course here Oh, (laughs) shit (laughs) That's so sad Corinne
4: looks devastated for her
3: Because a French person won (laughs) Oh. Oh, fuck, I hate the moguls What's happening in the luge? We joked and made fun of um, you know, Brit Cox the other night for choking and that sort of stuff. And you know, again we'll just we'll trying to be funny. We we know that, you know, we're proud of her for finishing fifth and for Jakinder, obviously for finishing fourth too. But like a slight example of that is that there was all this pressure on Brit to, to go for medals and, you know, everyone talked her up and then kind of was like, Oh damn, disappointed She didn't similar thing. Like with the Campbell sisters in Rio, but like the difference is we spent like, like three, four days of putting up with the Campbell sisters. Oh, I don't know what happened. I'm so disappointed. This is the worst moment of my life. And like, never like they didn't go and hug Mac Horton when he won the gold medal or anything like that. Did they? Whereas Brit Cox was at the finish line, giving Mac Graham a, hug after the moguls last night smiling doing ha- you know just being happy that she made it to the finals jared can the campbell sisters take a page from Britt cox's book like this just makes me dislike the campbell sisters even more i think yeah i think everybody can take a page from a book i thought that that
5: was really exciting to see it did annoy me i don't know if you saw this stupid like i don't even know like judge or whatever he was who like Rick Cox is like giving Matt Graham a hug and then he's going to hug these other people. And then this judge comes over. He's like, you can't do that. We need to get all this other stuff done. Like <laughs> stop talking to people. And I was like, shut up and let him have his moment. You idiot. <laughs> he's from the IOC. Let's
3: be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, Olivia to test Olivia from Victoria to Tess Cody who pulled an ACL and is no longer competing at the Olympics. This is what it says. Hi, my name is Olivia. I'm studying you at school. I hope you win a gold medal. Uh, <laughs> you must be studying pretty hard there, Olivia. She's out of the damn Olympics. Um, tenure in Carthiga, New South Wales, for the entire Olympic team. Hello, Australian team. You are the best. We wish you a lot of courage and strong spirit. <laughs> We love you. Uh, From Tim in Queensland to Emily Arthur, go the Australia. Uh, (laughs) We should you to do this. Colin's like going to (laughs) die. Jared, do you have any of those emergency uh, stuff there that you've uh, got for your snowboarding picture? Um, Thana from New South Wales to Jessica Yeaton. Hi, Jessica. Best wishes for you. (laughs) Amelia Whitlock's member of Chalky Ski Club Victoria to Brittany Cox. Hi, Britt. I saw you on TV and thought you did amazing. Even though you did not come first, you tried your best. And that is all that matters. Smiley face. Uh... (laughs) Oh, hang on. He's right here. This is offering some services to, to Tess Cody from Minnick in New South Wales. Hello, Tess. I'm so sorry you've had to withdraw from competition because of your injury. I'd like to cheer you up. I wish you will come back stronger.
1: <laughs> Good luck. You're the best. <laughs> I'd like to cheer you up. Oh, God.
3: Uh, have you got any here, Jared? Uh, my favorite one is is
5: from Brody in New South Wales to Matt Graham. Good luck for your next event. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Matt Graham and the Nordic combined.
3: Oh, he's 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 waiting for Beijing. Um, oh he's one from Alex in Victoria to uh, our Luigius Alexander Falazzo. Hi Alex Falazzo, Congratulations. That's all it says. Uh, Can anybody use proper grammar in your country? No, And they get published. We use proper, pub- we use proper stuff. Uh, and we don't get anything. Um, okay, I think we're, I think we're good. All right. The questions that I need to ask, like a pairing. If there's any double losers ever listen to this show, like we will track someone to come on the show to talk about this, like. Who, who's on top who's on bottom like is it is it a simple case of the heaviest is on the bottom like and and, and do, when they practice like because you know we we realize that these sliding courses aren't the most prominent we talked about this in our preview episode like you know there's maybe 10 12 of these in the entire world do they have to like kind of you know you know in cool runnings when they're all in the bath practicing the turns like do they both get in the bath together and like lay on each other and you know be like uh yeah come on come on tony get on top of me like let's you know let's practice to like their respective partners come home early and catch them in the bath laying on top of each other what's going on here guys like no no it's all right we're just competing in the doubles luge um it's i and like why why isn't there like i think you said this yesterday where's the triples lose luge where's the quad where's the four-man luge like this has got to be a thing right yeah, you
5: think if if you're gonna have more than one person on the sled, you've you've got to go all out. Um, I just want to know what who's like the person on like what does the person on the bottom actually do? They can't see anything, so surely they're not steering. I mean, they're pretty much a
3: sled to just the person on top, and that's it. I think Colin mentioned a bit about this when we talked about cool runnings in on the Oz network when we recapped it. It's like a lot of these sliding sports. At the end of the day, all you need to do is push off fast and just hold on. Like, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of skill. I'm not trying to take away from, from luge athletes because, again, you guys are doing something that I could not do. So, props to you. And I feel bad for bagging the shit out of you. But at the end of the day, like, you're kind of right. Like, the that bottom guy does nothing. It's like the second person in a bobsled. Like, they're just there for ballast. They're just there for a free ride. They're just on a ticket to the Olympics. Like... This is I mean as much as I love the Winter Olympics there are a lot of these sports where it's kind of like you you need to be skilled for about 2 seconds the rest you just let gravity do the work. Yeah, exactly. And I do love the whole
5: contraption of the of the string attached to their partner's outfit that they use at the start <laughs> to 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 try to help them get a good start and it, and it looks like they pretty much just punched holes in the outfit of the person in front of them and then got some old shoelaces to tie them together.
3: And I think it was the Austrian pair that got the silver, Peter Pens and George Fischler, that when they crossed the line, they went off. They were, they were hugging, they were kissing. Like 38 members from the Austrian support team jumped the stacks on the mill. Like doubles luge is such a passionate sport. Like this is this is the passionate sport of the Olympics, isn't it?
5: Yeah, exactly. I think that the team members for Austria were just trying to get the
3: uh, triple and quadruple luge movement going (laughs) at that point. Uh, I'm still holding out for the doubles women's luge. I mean, that's where it's at for us. Come on, let's be honest. (laughs) But everything else outside of it, um, cutting down to our Keno and Breno and whatever the hell they are, and every three seconds talking to them. Um, we kept cutting to Chumpy's town. Um, you know, I wanted them to cut to Jared Hughes' town. Like, where were they? Um, and maybe my highlight of the entire broadcast was not only the esteemed, uh, future Walkley award-winning journalist, Rachel Finch, asking questions to people in the crowd that she may as well be liking. What's your name? Do you like cheese? Do you like my dress? Like, she is so useless. Um, I also like them cutting to Chumpy Pullen's girlfriend, who, A, why isn't she in Pyeongchang cheering him on? B, does she know what she's talking about? And C, does she know what she's talking about? Like, she was like as blank and as bland as a piece of paper.
5: Yeah, I'm a bit over kind of the interviews with the family unless they actually win the event. Yes. Or at least kind of scope them out a bit to see if they're able to and if it's awkward can they like finish it up some of the times like they'll start talking to them and it gets really awkward early and they just keep pressing and going i'm like this is the point whether they've said what they have to say they're obviously not comfortable being on camera or being interviewed just like leave them alone and let them watch the event
3: yeah it's it's really is like ridiculous and just Rachel Finch, just go home. Just just don't like we get it, you won't miss Australia. Congratulations. But just because you look good doesn't translate to asking questions. I don't look good, but I like to feel that I know how to ask a question every now and then in an interview. Uh Jared, you can too. Like Colin, everyone involved in our show I feel has the ability to ask questions and get an answer out of someone. It's not just, oh go them. Um But the um the the other thing too was this uh what's the name edwina bartholomew or whatever the frick her name is changing a hat every single commercial break and she came back at one point with like a russian gulag hat or whatever the hell it was looking like an absolute i don't know what was she wearing (laughs) uh the the mind really boggles um yeah I, I,
5: I, i don't know if that was a sanction to look for her to be wearing on air Yeah, I think I've talked about the Swiss multivitamins jinx, and um, I've done a bit of research here. Oh, good. Uh, I've got some some names for you on people who've done the ads going back to London and where they finished. So, (laughs) London 2012, Cadell Evans in the cycling, 80th in the road race, then pulls out of the time trial. Okay. Time trial, Leighton Hewitt in the tennis, lost in the third round, lost in the quarters in the mix, (laughs) Matt Target in the swimming, was in the uh, men's 4x100 freestyle relay that were really... The team that was hyped up to win, didn't place. Fourth. Uh, Rio 2016, Matt uh, Glaser, the track cycling, fourth in the men's sprint, fourth in the men's team sprint. (laughs) The Campbell sisters swimming, uh, famous chokers in the 100-meter freestyle. (laughs) Eleanor Patterson in the high jump. She won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, failed to qualify for the final at the Olympics. (laughs) Carmen Martin in the taekwondo, lost first round. The men's and women's hockey teams, both lost in the (laughs) quarterfinals. The women's basketball team lost in the quarterfinals. <laughs> the women's water polo team lost a penalty shootout in the quarterfinals. Uh, then, of course, we had in Pyeongchang, um, Scotty James third in the pipe, which, I mean, that was good. That's a win. Um, but but could have done better. And then Daniel Scott 12th in aerials. The only person who has beat this jinx is Dylan Alcott in the Paralympic Games with a gold in the
3: men's singles and doubles oh. in the Wow. Okay then. So essentially, uh, if you are an able-bodied athlete, the best you can ever hope for on Swiss multivitamins is bronze. If you are a para-athlete, just knock yourself out in the Swiss vitamins, you will go for gold. Um that's incredible. I'm I'm impressed that you've done your uh, your research there Jared, now was this was this a simple case of going over uh, all the ads that you've recorded on your PC, or is there actually like a a list like Swiss multivitamins? We're so proud to sponsor the following athletes. No, there
5: isn't a Wikipedia page as yet, um, but yeah, I just basically googled uh, Swiss multivitamin ads in YouTube and had a look at them, and yeah, the the uh, research is compelling.
3: Women's Super G. What an event this was. Now, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Esther Ledecker shortly. Uh, Czech Republic, gold medal by 0.01 of a second. She's a snowboarder who, as uh, a former world champion in snowboarding, come across to uh, alpine skiing and took the gold against the, uh, reigning, world, uh, the reigning Olympic champion, Austria's Anavith, uh, who took the silver. And it gets even better because in bronze, Tina Weratha, of the great nation of Liechtenstein, their first Winter Olympic medal in 30 years. Uh, absolutely incredible, the uh, women's Super G. And did the commentators not go off? They were absolutely going crazy. And just to put it into context for, for Liechtenstein, they have never won a medal at the Summer Games, ever. In the history of their Olympics, their medals have only ever come in the Winter Olympics. There's actually their 10th medal in total uh, when it comes to the Winter Olympics. All of them have been won in the sport of alpine skiing. And um, you do have to go back to Calgary in 1988 uh, when they did pick up their last medal. That was the great Paul Fromelt in the men's slalom. Uh, did, you, did you catch any of this, at least any of the highlights at all? Because... This really was the highlight of the day, I think. I did see bits and
5: pieces kind of all over the shop. Um, I mean, yesterday it was Spain kind of breaking this long drought, and today it's Liechtenstein. Um, as the Australian commentators would like you to know, you can drive through it and not even notice. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, great for these countries to breaking to break these really long droughts uh, in between winning medals.
3: It's it's so crazy just looking at this. Um, she's. Uh, the winner of the of the gold there, Esther Ledeca, she won uh, two gold and a silver in world championship in parallel slalom in snowboarding, even as soon as last year. A gold in the parallel giant slalom world cup at Sierra Nevada. Uh, absolutely incredible that she did this only a year ago. Uh, and yet here she is um, in alpine skiing, uh, basically just come across... And, uh, boom, she's uh, taken a gold medal at the Olympics. So, um, absolutely insane. And uh, the the news is, too, that she's actually still competing in snowboarding at these Olympics. She's the first ever athlete to ever do this. She's still going to be competing in the parallel giant slalom. She could be the first athlete to... I mean, I would say this maybe in summer and winter. I don't know. We'd have to fact-check this. This would have surely have to be the first time an athlete has ever won two medals, if she does... In two different sports at the same Olympics, has it ever been done before? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know, but it, I mean, it seems ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, they'd be like the same Bolt running the hundred meters and jumping in the pool and beating Michael Phelps. Like, I mean, it's just, I mean, similar. Obviously, sports. These ones, you know, snowboarding, and skiing. They just kind of change what's on their feet, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Estelle Decker. and I'm telling you right now, she's my athlete of the day. I'm going to jump ahead right now because um, Justin is saying, and just the reactions as well, like go and watch the reaction of this event. She's just deadpanned and the cameraman actually literally is like coming up to it right in the face. She's just not even reacting. And the cameraman's like, you won, you won. And she's like, I don't no, No, I did. <laughs> like she just could not believe it. And I think then um, actually uh, Tom, you know, Tom Williams, great, you know, journalist and steamed Australian. Uh, actually, uh, interviewed her afterwards, and apparently, Lindsay Vaughn was caught uh, walking past saying, I can't believe I got beaten by a freaking snowboarder. Uh, so <laughs> Lindsay Vaughn finished fifth, incidentally, for those wondering. Um, so, I mean, this is just absolutely incredible. Uh, maybe the star of the games already. Just, uh, you know, I'm jumping on the Channel 7 page here of overselling stuff, but um, absolutely uh, crazy. Um, and just on Lindsey Vaughn. um, I'm looking at her tweets here. Frustrating to be so close to the podium and have made such a big mistake, but that's ski racing. I'm proud of the way I skied and how I attacked the course. I gave it my all and came out short. That's life. Now it's onto the downhill. Um, and somebody has, uh, tweeted at Lindsey Vaughn Julie Fowdy, uh, who I have no idea what she is. She's some um, athlete or something. She said, I just spent the last 20 minutes reading through tweets directed at Lindsey Vaughn, sickened and disgusted once again by the lack of humanity that engulfs our country. She just raced her damn heart out and Trump supporters gloat she celebrate her inability to meddle. Is this what we've become? And then someone <laughs> Lindsey Vaughn has replied to this and said, It's okay, Julie. Not everyone has to like me, but my family loves me and I sleep well at night. I work hard and try to be the best person I can be if they don't like me. Their loss, I guess. Dot, dot, dot. Thank you for the support. <laughs> wow. Oh, good on you, Lindsey von, providing some entertainment. You got beaten by a frickin' snowboarder, as you said. Well, oh, I'm telling you one person who's not healthy... Uh, at least from an Australian perspective. It's Chinese aerialist people and judges that are happening right now because uh, we're, we're coming into this just after the men's aerials final and uh, absolute bullshit travesty. I want an appeal. I, I want an inquiry. I want something to happen that is just explaining to me how the hell that what happened tonight happened and David Morris got eliminated in the first round considering that the guy who then went on to win silver, Jay-Z or whoever he is, Beyonce's, whatever, uh, gets the silver medal after he crashed on his first run and David Morris didn't they get judged exactly the same on their landing and yet somehow we're sitting here madly angry at this Chinese guy getting it through uh Colin probably doesn't give a shit about this but Jared I'm ropeable this is mate this is the angriest I've been ever in the Olympics ever this is this is bullshit
5: Yeah this was just a total farce um yeah what even I I just can't even I still can't kind of process it and get over it and the fact that like I was angry enough already that he beat the score. But then when they came to the point and they're like, yes, he's been awarded the same for the landing. Like I could understand if it was like, yes, his jump was ten times harder. So he fell but he still got a higher score. But when they're like, no, he got the same score for landing, this guy who was out of control, fell over, did a flip. Uh and and like the thing that shows that he didn't have control and it wasn't good was the fact that he fell. And then this guy punches the ground. He's pissed. He's not even trying to sell it to the judges. Like at that point, the judges should have been like, he's angry with it. Obviously, he didn't have control. If he knows the rules and he can fall after a certain amount of time, he falls over after that 10 meters or after he has control. And he's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. But he thought that that jump shouldn't have counted. And he didn't think that he should be through and that is what should have told the judges that, no, he shouldn't have gone through. He should have got a zero for that landing.
3: And there was, a, there was a Chinese guy, I think, in the next run who basically did a barrel roll on his landing. He got up and pumped the air like he'd won the gold medal, and yet he was promptly eliminated. And <laughs> that was a little poor form. But uh, I don't know, Colin, if you got up and watched this or anybody who may be just tuning into this don't know what we're talking about. Essentially, in the first uh, final of the uh, men's aerials, uh, Dave Morris controversially controversially finished in tenth. Of course, only the top nine go through. Uh, I mean, Dave landed slightly awkwardly, but he didn't crash. He kind of just had a bit of a wobble, but then he was up. And from my perspective, like, okay, that's fine. That should go through. He got a one hundred and eleven point nine five. And we're talking about Jay Zong uh, Yang Jay Z. Basically, we're referring to him as. Um, he got a hundred and eighteen point five five, but this is a guy who crashed incredibly awkwardly, did not have any control over his landing, and by the time he got to the bottom of the hill, it was flat on his face. And essentially, uh, on the the judging, they both got a six point eight on their landing. Uh, can we just refer to that again? That one guy flat on his face, while David Morris just had a slight little wobble and yet they get the same score. Colin, I don't know if you watched any of this, but all of Australia right now is ready to invade China. We're that pissed off.
4: Um, No, you know, I tried to tune in, uh, I don't know, about 20 minutes ago, and I guess it was just wrapping up because it kind of just faded from a shot of a hill into the Pyeongchang logo, and I'm like, well, I guess it's over. Um, I didn't think anything big would have happened, but... Everything you're saying makes sense because in watching the the Women's Aerials Finals and then remembering the Aerials Finals from Sochi as well, um, it it pretty much is the sport where, you know, one person just is able to stay on their feet and they by default get a gold medal. And it seems to be the only one where silver and bronze medalists get rewarded for crashing and for landing, you know, right on top of your head. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what it is with the sport, but... Uh, Nobody really ever seems to do it right, and they keep giving medals to people. I mean, I'm probably, you know, uh, both speaking the truth right now and then also insulting everybody who loves the aerials, but, like, I don't think anybody lands properly in this sport.
3: Well, we saw that in the women's the other day, basically what the top two in the final round landed and the other four crashed. Uh, so that's yeah. essentially- And then in,
4: in Sochi, it was only the gold medalist who landed properly and everybody else had crashed.
3: And it was kind of the opposite on the men's tonight There's only really a couple of crashes. Like a lot of people were landing and that's kind of, you know, because David Morris went like halfway through. So it looked like, oh, you know, he's still got six people after him. At least, you know, he only needed one person to crash and he was through. And then, as soon as uh, Jay Z he crashed, we're like, "Yes, he's through." But I just I just want to go through here, the scores. I don't generally do this, but just to kind of put our point through here of maybe where Jay Z got the extra points. So uh, they both scored a six point eight on their landing. Uh, Jay Z got a you know a slightly higher score by point six on his air uh, and point three on his form, uh, and he had a slightly higher degree of difficulty too uh, by point one. Of a percentage there But on the landing 6.8 So the Canadian judge Scored Dave Morris from Australia A 2.5 Scored uh, Jay-Z A 2.2 So the Canadian judge Is very sound And should be judging still The Swiss judge Or the Swedish judge Depending on uh, where you are In the world And what you're thinking here uh, 2.4 for Jay-Z A 2.3 for Dave Morris Clearly the Swiss are drunk Uh, The Japanese judge uh, 2.2 for both So, you know, okay, fair enough. Um, The Russian judge or the uh, Olympic, the judge athlete from Russia scored uh, Dave Morris a 2.8 and Jay Z a 2.0. So, okay, the Russians, clearly the drugs not working for him. That's good. (laughs) And uh, the final judge just happens to be from China 2.2 to Dave Morris, 2.5 to Jay Z. Bullshit. Um,
4: (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> but do they wipe out the top scores and the bottom scores like yeah, other sports
3: They they do so there are a few here with crosses through them so Canada's and Japan's did not count for Australia and well China's and uh, Russia's didn't count for for theirs but it's still interesting they both got a 6.8 and I think kind of what a lot of people were referring to was because Jay-Z kind of crashed sort of at the bottom of the hill. So maybe the judges seeing this in fast motion thought he had enough control of it and didn't count that crash at the end. Uh, and But the fact that, you know, you, you've obviously got your biased Australian commentator saying this is ridiculous. To have Lydia Lassler at the bottom of the hill, you know, esteemed Lydia, one of our greatest Olympians of all time, you know, and I know she's Australian, but she's, you know, still very kind of you know, calculating her viewpoints. So she was even questioning it. And even sort of when they interviewed the extremely humble and incredibly fantastic Dave Morris, who was still head held high. He's like, look, I just finished 10th in the Olympics. I'm still going to be happy. Like, just a great, great guy. One of the greatest humans in the world. He even was like, yeah, the coach sort of went and questioned the call. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe it was a little bit, you know, but like he was trying to, like, he's so, like, that's the angriest Dave Morris will ever get um, based on that still being happy and smiley. Um, And I, I, just love the fact that
4: everyone well, it, on Twitter until is somebody going somebody breaks the news to him that, until somebody breaks the news to him that this has happened to every off the podium <laughs> guest, <laughs> and then he's going to be
3: really angry. We, we might bring that up to him if we get him on again. I'm going for uh, one that is actually, it's currently the You head story, and I was reading about this this morning, and I'm fascinated by this individual, uh, Elizabeth Swaney, a Hungarian uh, skier in the half pipe. now she's actually not Hungarian, she's actually American, but she's gone to compete for Hungary, Um, And she's an every woman. This woman, she's 33 years old. As a 19 year old, she actually ran against Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the governor of California. Um, She always had had a dream of qualifying for the Olympics. Um, So she tried her hardest She knew that she was, would not be good enough To make the American team So she tried to go and represent Venezuela Where her mum's from That couldn't happen So then she decided to go to Hungary Where her grandparents are from Because of their uh, very easy and lax qualification rules And essentially all she had to do Was go to World Cups Finish in the top 30 at a few events And Hungary would select her and you think, okay, that still means like she's got to do a bit of work. She deliberately chose World Cup events where the top skiers would not go to because there were more prestigious events. So she went to the ones where like limited athletes were going. And for the most part, there would only be like 24, 25, or 28 women in these events. So even if she finishes last, she's guaranteed to be in the top 30. And the the fact that I'm going with this is if you can track down her run, it's on news.com.au right now. It is hilarious. She literally is like going up, down, up, down on the half pipe, not even attempting to get air or do any tricks. And then the commentators are basically trying to talk her right up like, oh, fantastic form there. Oh, great spin. Oh, yeah, she's landed that one perfectly. <laughs> Just completely taking it. I'm watching it now. It's hilarious. Like, she's not doing anything. Um, but I'm I'm giving him props because it's fantastic. We taught people like Eddie the Eagle and the you know Eddie Eric Mussimbani, all these sort of athletes that you know get all the props and high because you know they're kind of like every man, every woman trying to get into the games are gone because of all the professionalism now. But this gives us hope, Jared. This gives me hope that I can go and represent Hungary in a sport or something. It's amazing.
5: Yeah, I think points for ingenuity and kind of. Um... Loopholing the system. I mean, this is really how Australia gets most of our athletes as well, really, isn't it? <laughs> Just poaching people from overseas.
3: Oh, it's, it's a toss-up now between her and Esther as my favourite uh, athlete on the Games. <laughs> Just watching this, brand, I can't stop laughing at it like I shouldn't be. She's still doing better than ever I could on skis. But, like, she always can say that she is an Olympic athlete. Um, She actually only scored... I think it was like a 20 or a 30 when everybody else is getting like, you know, 90s and 100s. Uh, so good on you. I'm so happy for Elizabeth Swaney. Uh, she's my athlete of the day. I like the long ones because I don't, I don't read the long ones until I read them out on air. So this one's from Lorraine Lard Hudson to Kalani Crane. Hi, Kalani. We just want you to know that you are in our hearts. Oh, that's a bit kinky. Uh, and that we are so proud of you. Enjoy every moment of your short program and skate in the present. What? Is she going to come out like a box or something like that? You are beautiful inside and out. Well, she's in the heart, so that must be a surgeon or something. And a credit to your sport and to your family. We're thinking of you and are cheering you all the way from home. Love the lad, Hudson's. Enjoy. Uh, okay. Um, oh, Chloe, New South Wales, to Kalani Crane. Hi, Kalani. You did really well last year in Canada. I watched you on YouTube. Good luck this year in the Winter Olympics in Korea. Uh, glad that she wants a reminder there. Emily, New South Wales. Ekaterina Ekaterin is so popular, isn't she? Alexandra Droskaya. You're the best. I'm a big fan. Send me a message. (laughs) Um, Ari DS, New South Wales, Danielle Scott. Dear Danielle Scott, congratulations on a great Olympics campaign. Yeah, she crashed out in the final. Uh, You did great. Aerial skiing looks like a hard sport. I can't imagine doing so many twists in the air. You must get dizzy. Well done on a great run. I bet all your family and friends are very proud. In fact, I bet all of Australia is. Hope to see you in Beijing. Uh, well, there's a, there's a vox pop idea, Joe. Let's just walk around the streets. Excuse me. As an Australian, you're proud of Daniel Scott. And I bet people would be like, who? Uh, <laughs> um, Winston of New South Wales and John Farrow. Hi, I'm doing a school project and I chose you for it. And I'm really impressed by your amazingness. Smiley face. Um, Ava from New South Wales Scotty James. Thank you for trying your hardest in the snowboarding games. <laughs> what are the snowboarding games? <laughs> Is that like the game, you know, Hunger Games or something like that? Um, Let's see. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this one sounds a bit wrong. Like, I think they need to uh, keep their kids away from televisions. They're all stuck to it. Amelia from New South Wales to Brennan Carey. I saw your skates in the Olympics and they were absolutely incredible. The first skate, the whole school was sitting in the hall and watching you perform in total silence. We were really happy for you. Your grandmother teaches kindergarten in our school. The second time the TV was on and I was practically glued to the screen.
2: I wish you luck.
3: Uh, <laughs> trying Run <laughs> out of characters to mention the third, fourth, and fifth time that he was on TV. Seventh, not dead. Annabelle from New South Wales is very specific here. I don't know if uh, Sammy Kennedy Sim here is uh, you know, gonna be scared to catch a plane on these days, or is she just being specific about her event? Uh, Annabelle says, Good luck. I hope you are flying through the air on the 21st of Feb and the 23rd of Feb. <laughs> I think you are amazing at freestyle skiing and you're inspiring to all other young athletes. I am in year six and live in Sydney. I really hope you respond to these questions. Do you have a pet? Where do you practice? Why freestyle skiing? From Annabelle. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that sounds creepy. Where do you practice? <laughs> I'm following you. Let's just jump ahead into the present before we talk about the past. I know Canada won gold. I know that's important to talk about. I know the Canadian men's ice hockey team are through to the semis. I know lots is happening in the world of Canada. But let's just be honest. New Zealand have won a medal. That's right. New Zealand have won a freaking Winter Olympics medal. They've gotten a bronze in the big air at the whatever the hell it is. Oh,
4: spoiler. Oh,
3: sorry to spoil it. Uh, Zoe sadowski sanat has taken the bronze medal. Um, and this isn't even in the one where they had three finalists in it. It's absolutely crazy to think this. Um, she's only 16 as it's been pointed out to us on the Australian coverage about a hundred times. She's Australian born. Uh, so Jared, I've got to go to you first of all. How's this reactions? New Zealand, they've broken the 26 year drought. There's party central in Auckland and Wellington and Christchurch. The country's going off. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bit
5: devastating for us, but I suppose we take solace in the fact that it is just a bronze and, uh, yeah,
3: typical Australians trying to uh, claim somebody who has some tenuous link to the country. No, no, we, we did say that they have to win a bronze medal. We said, no, they're not winning any other colour, and we're probably going to jinx them by saying that in terms of, uh, you know, the fact that we know that they've got at least three people in the uh, men's halfpipe uh, with the, the skiing. Uh, 26 years since Annalise Koberger took the... Uh, Silver on that infamous day in New Zealand sporting history back in Alberville, uh, what a, what a moment! Uh, I mean, Colin, you're, you're watching this sort of live. C CBC are pulling a Channel Seven here right now and claiming it's live, then because you haven't even seen this yet.
4: Uh, I mean, th- they're not claiming it's live. It's I'm just behind on my PVR. I uh, haven't caught up to the recording yet. But it's funny because. Uh just as we were about to go on the air, Jamie was watching the New Zealander wipe out uh, whichever run we're in right now. And then she's like, oh, she just wiped out so hard. And I'm like, she goes on to win a bronze medal. And it's like, uh, no, I don't think so. And like, she's doubting me because she's like, well, then she must do something spectacular after this because that was awful. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, clearly she did. she I mean, I'm just seen here, she's 16 years old. She looks like she's about 12, if I'm looking at a picture over here. Um, she's already putting all the news out there. Stuff.co.nz, New Zealand's iconic uh, news website, has the headline, Nailed It, Zoe Zdowski Sanat Takes Bronze. Uh, it's got breaking news, Kiwi Big Air Snowboarder Zoe Zdowski wins bronze at the Winter Olympics. Um, and meanwhile, I thought, would they have this on the news.com.au? Would they be breaking news about New Zealand winning a the medal? Their Winter Olympic headline is live. Why? Rich as shit. Norway is crushing it um so <laughs> news.com today you don't give a shit um but this is like I actually I messaged our good friend Nick Chester of course who uh works with us on the Oz Network we had a bit of a segment that we recorded yesterday for the brink about this he's he's pumped up he's excited there's parties going on right now in in New Zealand I mean this has to be Jared their biggest ever sporting triumph ever bigger than the World Cups and the rugby bigger than I mean we beat them in the cricket last night because they suck but I mean this this is an iconic day for New Zealand Yeah, I'm calling it a national holiday tomorrow.
5: Nobody working. They'll all be hungover. And then I think, yeah, every year... Um, that goes on, it will be marked as a national
3: holiday. I'm literally looking at the other headlines on Stuff.co. This is a day that New Zealand has once again been named the least corrupt country in the world. But that's all irrelevant because they've won a bronze medal at the Winter Olympics uh, in a sport that only got brought in uh, for the first time this time around. So it takes a new sport uh, for them to finally break the duck. But that's it, New Zealand. Can we just say that's it? No more. No more medals. You've won, you won. That's all you need. Do not get any in the ski halfpipe because you will not go ahead of Australia. Then, then it's gone from being happy for New Zealand to starting riots, and we will declare war on New Zealand. But you uh, know, go ahead, you Collins. could
4: solve this very easily by just inviting every New Zealand winter athlete on off the podium <laughs> to guarantee they don't win anymore.
3: <laughs> yeah, it will only take about an hour to get through them. Oh, has Tom? Hello, Tom. How'd you go on the skiing? Oh, pretty good, bro. And also joining us is a man who is in mourning right now. I believe that the whole nation of Canada is mourning the fact that New Zealand technically had more of a successful day in some aspects uh, of day of the Olympics in Canada. It's Mr. Colin Hilding. Hello, Colin. Welcome back.
4: Uh, harsh but true, but uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because officially today one of Off the Podium's guests did win a medal. Yes! the curse is up people
3: he got a bronze Uh, yes the cover everybody wants the new zealand medal um congratulations uh charles hamlin was that was that a big celebration point for you as he i mean they should have won the gold let's be honest Uh, yeah i was
4: watching that i was just happy to not see him get disqualified for once i mean i thought that he'd fallen into a groove and that was just his new his new thing
3: And speaking of off the podium, one of our uh, biggest whipping boy, bag, girls, whatever, in the history of our show, the, uh, the funniest country on the planet, Hungary are uh, absolutely oh, yeah. laughing their way to the bank this morning <laughs> because they've won their first ever Winter Olympic gold medal in the same race. Hungary, the great nation of speed skating. Hungary have won a gold medal. Um, I mean, you know, let's go back to Rio. We ripped a bit, fair bit of shit into our Hungarians as not being funny people. Uh, Jared, do you think this has brought a bit of a smile to their face? Because they look like they were like sort of smiling when they won this gold medal last night.
5: Yeah, I think if you win gold, you get kind of a ten second window to smile, and then after that, it's just straight back to the blank face.
3: How is it though, Colin? For you, I mean, this was an interesting race of five thousand meter relay. Uh, I mean, because Canada were winning for pretty much right at the end, and it's only really the last two laps that they kind of uh, went backwards. But how how does Canada react? to losing to Hungary. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is the great nation of Hungary in speed skating when you think of all these amazing short-track nations uh, to lose to a country who, until uh, you know about 12 hours ago, never won a Winter Olympic gold medal.
4: I mean, we're, we're coming off of losing to the United States and curling, so I don't think uh, <laughs> anything... United States and curling and hockey, now Hungary and speed skating, like, we might as well just become a summer nation all of a sudden. <laughs>
1: Uh,
3: it really wasn't a good day for Canada um, yesterday. Shall, shall we just get this over and done with? I mean, I was watching the uh, the ice hockey on the app because Channel 7 decided not to show it live. They decided to show it on about a two-hour delay and then show it about another three times last night at the expense of uh, live sport. Um, but uh, went down to the penalty shootout, uh, went down to the sudden death portion of the penalty shootout. And uh, let's be honest, the greatest save by an American goalkeeper since uh, Julie the Cat Gaffney at the Junior Goodwill Games got them the (laughs) gold medal. Uh, That's not an original Ben Waterworth joke. I'll explain where that came from later on. How is Canada reacting right now to losing a semi-final equivalent of losing to District 5 in the Mighty Ducks, Uh, Germany, what the hell happened, Colin Hildy? This is a lock. You weren't meant to lose this match. Well, I mean, we've talked about a lot during this. No, but no excuses. Really had Don't give me some Canadian excuses. You weren't meant to lose this match.
4: According to Australia, who lose everything, like that's Touché. why you're not surprised. You, you keep thinking that you have the chance at winning stuff, so you think other countries could win too. I mean, it's it's just it's weird because. I'm not hearing a lot of people being overly upset about it. It's um maybe that's just the Canadian thing, but uh, it could have been the time of day, too, because I think with the the women's game, you know, it started for us in the evening, and people stayed up to watch it. But here, for the men's game, it started at like five forty five in the morning here. So, I mean, I was like tuning in as soon as I woke up, and they had you know, were a few minutes into the first period. and then I watched through to the end of the first period. and then, I went to go take a shower and by the time i came out we were like three goals down i'm like what just happened like i i can't shower anymore this this can't happen i'm gonna have to go through the rest of the olympics without showering i just cursed our team um but maybe a lot of people just didn't watch it that early in the morning and it was sort of spoiled by the time most people woke up so i mean i kind of just gave up on the game and you know didn't bother i just heard heard about it later
3: on about an hour later on after i got to work One, one thing i will say about canadians is that i was actually uh i read a lot of the comments kind of on all the social media posts, uh, you know, that uh, Team Canada and the men's team and everyone put online. And there's actually legitimately very few negative comments. <laughs> like, like there's yeah. a few, like, oh, you lost to Germany, let that sink in. Um, but for the most part, people are just like, still proud of our boys, you know, go get the bronze. And, oh, well, we played well in the third period. Let's go for the bronze. And, oh, well, this is what happens when there's no NHL players. We didn't know what to expect, and we still did well. Like, seriously, Jared, we're Australian. We know how this works for us. If this is like, I don't know, what's the, the national cricket team in the World Cup, and they go out in the quarterfinals, they're getting an absolute ribbing.
5: Yeah, it's like I said yesterday. I mean, if you're... A favorite or you're a team that's meant to win and you lose you're not coming back in we don't let you back into the country we send you off to new zealand where um people who fail belong but evidently maybe not so much longer <laughs> since they're right on our heels but for the meantime you can still send them to new zealand maybe next time we'll have to send them to um i don't even know tonga Lichtenstein's there are
3: a bit further down tonga ah. yeah yeah uh, I mean, Colin, you, I think you're about to say something there, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a Canadian, I think you've always discussed this as like a Canadian attitude because I, I very do, I very do, I very rarely see angry Canadians ripping into their athletes.
4: Uh, I, we, we went through that. That was called 2006. Um, <laughs> that was like a complete embarrassment, but that was months of like media campaigns about how every country in the world fears Canada I think just this time, because we had no expertise like, overall, I would say the, the anger level of Canadians went, number one, the women's curling, number two, the men's curling, number three, women's hockey, number four, men's hockey. Like, this was low on the totem pole for things to get angry about.
3: And also, at the end of the day, you went into this having won the last two, so I mean, it's not like you hadn't won it in, you know, 50 years, going into, like, Salt Lake or something like that, but... um yeah, It's, I mean, it's, it's, and we've also got the positives, you know, as much as, you know, I generally personally have always, this is my main sport that I love following in the winter games is cheering for, you know, the men's ice hockey team. So, you know, I'm disappointed. I stormed out and went and got McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning. Um, but I think from outside of that perspective, I mean, a fairy tale, this is Germany. They've made it to the gold medal match aside that it's uh, exciting. it is. I mean, they have never beaten Canada in winter Olympic uh, hockey before. Uh, and basically you didn't, you never put Germany in the picture of great nations of ice hockey, didn't even qualify for Sochi, didn't win a single game in Vancouver and Turin. So, I mean, from, from an outsider's perspective, just putting all our bias aside, I mean, this is, this is a fantastic story for them to, to make it all the way to the gold medal match. So positives go Germany, right?
4: Yeah. And it could have been worse. I mean, we could have lost to the United States. I think that would have, (laughs) uh, pretty much broken the country uh that's pretty much the only criteria like if we lose the united states okay you know we have reason to be upset if we lose to any other country we're okay with it because we're like hey we're 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 sprinkling some of our magic dust on germany right now like we're giving them our blessing we're passing the torch for at least four years
3: happy canadian day for that here it was, a uh, glorious day in Canadian history when it comes to, you know, the esteemed bronze that you were just so much craved in the men's ice hockey. You know, great day for Canadian ice hockey. I got another gold medal in the esteemed sport of men's big air. You know, uh, finally Canada break its duck in getting its first ever gold medal in the men's big <laughs> air. But then you have a dickhead who goes along and be- officially becomes the Ryan Lochte of the 2018 Ugh. Winter Olympics a Canadian athlete and his wife i believe um and his coach and his oh co- <laughs> god the whole gang it was a whole trio <laughs> David Duncan Again, yes. <laughs> David Duncan the esteemed David Duncan <laughs> and Mrs Duncan and Mrs Duncan's probably lover i don't know uh try to steal a car in Korea. This is overshadowing everything. I thought the squirrel and Esther everything was gonna be talked about today, but no, you got these Wally burgers stealing a car. And it's a Canadian. What's going on? This should be an Australian thing, Column. Who who is this guy?
4: Um I mean apparently he made the semifinals in Ski Cross, which I watched and still don't remember the guy, so <laughs> i I don't wanna call conspiracy theory here, but this may very well just be uh you know, something that the media has invented, uh, a, a character, um, just so that they could have a Ryan Lochte. And they say, oh, he's Canadian, but I've never heard of this guy. None of us have heard of him. He does not exist, okay? Drop it.
3: <laughs> uh, that's it. Done. Uh, I'm saying here he apparently tried to steal a hammer. Uh, I'm so upset. I mean, good luck there. Uh, doesn't, don't all hammers come with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, security system? Like, step away from the vehicle, uh, get to the chopper. Um, but I mean, I love the headline on the Toronto Star website. One idiot stunt shouldn't ruin the Olympics for Canada. Um, I mean, you don't expect this from Canadian athletes. You expect this from Ryan Lochte and American athletes. You expect this probably from an Australian yeah. athlete, you know, the, the Dutch probably, but not Canadians. Like what's going on here, Colin? I didn't even think people in Canada stole cars. I thought you accidentally like opened a wrong car. and like, Oh, sorry. This isn't mine. I'll, I'll go to my own car.
4: Again, I don't want to play conspiracy theorist, but I'm pretty sure Lindsey Vaughn put him up to it.
3: Yeah, it's always Lindsey Vaughn's fault. Um, I just think it's funny. I, I I shouldn't think it's funny, but um, yeah. Uh, I mean, what is the? <laughs> it name- was
4: quite like here's here's the funny thing is that um, they didn't re- release his name right away. Uh, I, I guess they kind of they sadly had to announce this, or I guess the media had started to pick up on it um, during the press conference where they were announcing our flag bearer. So, I mean, I didn't even realize the flag bearer had been announced. and I went last night to Black Panther, and it was probably like 1 in the morning by the time I was coming home. And I turn on my phone, and I see, oh, Canadian flag bearer announced. And then right below that story, I see Canadian athlete gets drunk and steals car and is arrested by <laughs> Korean police. And I'm like, what? Like, if you tell me that it is Mikkel Kingsbury, like, I, I, I don't think I'll, I will ever – I will ever get over this. Like, please let it just be you know somebody pathetic and sad and not a medalist. Because if we have to give a medal back after all this, can you imagine if this was Caitlin Laws?
3: No, that's, like what would have happened? She wouldn't do that. She's too perfect to do that. I mean, you know, yeah, just just wouldn't do it. Um, Caitlin Osmond, uh, you know, um, uh, just anybody out oh. there. Uh, possibly doing it. No, no. I mean, maybe the silver medalist who took a medal off after losing the ice hockey. You know, maybe her. You would understand. She's had a hard day. Uh, um, but, yeah, I mean, the esteemed David Duncan. <laughs> like, all the David Duncan fan boys and girls out there are losing it right now. I think we really need to talk about our our star, our our favouritest person in the world. No, it's not the squirrel that nearly got decapitated in the snowboarding. Um, Esther did it. Esther Ledecker. She yes. has created history. She is the first female in the history of the Winter Olympics to win two gold medals uh, in two different sports. Only the fifth person to do it in the history of the Winter Olympics. Um Absolutely incredible! I mean, this was the expected one. Of course, she wasn't expected to win the uh, the super G, but um, I, I sadly didn't get to see it. I only saw some of the qualifying rounds, and then kind of we had uh, people over here, so I didn't get to see it. But that was the first thing I had an opportunity to look for. I was like, "Did she do it? Did she do it?" I mean, in all seriousness, we, we've talked her up, but this is such an amazing feat to to win two medals, let alone two golds in two different sports. Um, I feel we haven't really talked about, there's another athlete who did it at these games, uh, and Temmors, uh, of the Netherlands. She won, um, medals in both short track and long track, which is a, it's a fit in itself. But at the end of the day, short track and long track, the only difference is you've got a shorter track and a what, a slightly different skate. It's basically the same thing. Whereas, you know, this is snowboarding and skiing, um, this is just an outstanding, outstanding achievement. Uh, there's a headline here. I think it's on uh, the the Washington, no, the Brisbane Times. No, there's, I'm going to find the title. I don't know where it is, but uh, they're basically claiming she's the best athlete of these games, and I think that's hard to argue with. Uh, I mean, I'll say it with you, Jared. She won the Olympics. She won the Olympics. She she she's getting Buckingham Palace. Uh, she's doing what Yul Brynner couldn't do. Um, I mean, Jared, this is incredible. This is something that just nobody does this anymore. Nobody wins medals in multiple sports at the one games anymore, and she's done it. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. This is not like back in the day when four people went to the Olympics. Um,
5: <laughs> I just think, yeah, super impressive. And the fact that um, this was the one time, Channel 7 replayed this about five times, and this is the one thing I wasn't annoyed at them replaying because yeah. it was Esther. And I was like, she
3: deserves five replays. Keep it going. Yeah. it's And, like, she's so humble about it. Like... I just, I just love watching that footage of her winning the Super G. Just the way she reacted is just absolutely incredible. I mean, does this, is this getting replayed a hundred times over in Canada too, Colin? I mean, is this a story over there as well?
4: No, um, there's, I mean, her name is being mentioned over and over again, but that's uh, a story for our commentary fails. We'll get to later. Uh, I mean, we did get live coverage of it, and that's something, but uh i have officially seen the uh men's bronze medal hockey game played three times (laughs) in uh, the last day so she she was kind of one and done here on canadian tv but still a big deal i mean they were they're definitely making a big deal and talking her up a lot
3: well this is it is the washington post i found the article here Esther decker is the greatest olympian at the games even if she doesn't know it that's the headline Um, and then, uh, obviously a journalist asked this article written by, uh, Jerry Brewer. I don't know if he's the one who's asked this question to her, but, uh, it says, don't ask Esther Ledecker if she's the best athlete at the Pyeongchang Olympics. She will stare through her polarized goggles and recoil at what she considers a preposterous notion uh, what? She responded Saturday afternoon. No, seriously, I don't think so. No, there are great, the, uh, there are the greatest athletes in the world here. I'm all the same bolts, not there. Uh, and the greatest athletes in the world now gush over Ledecker, the 22 year old Czech who just accomplished the unthinkable winning gold medals in two different sporting dif- disciplines, shattering all preconceived notions about the impossibility of mixing elite skiing and snowboarding or any other exotic combination of world-class athletic pursuits, she must be the greatest. And then she replied to that, Yeah, whatever, ladeka said.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely incredible to, to achieve this. And uh, just so happy that we can see this in our lifetime. Because, I mean, it's just, as I said, this hasn't happened, I think, it's like things like the 1920s or, you know, the 30s. Uh, when, as you said, Jared, like four people were competing. So, um, such an amazing feat. And, yeah, as we, as I said, like, Joran T- Temoz, you know, obviously very, a lot similar to the sports, but, I mean, still, two athletes in these games to win multiple medals in uh, two different sports is pretty crazy. So, I think this needs to be a trend. Uh, I think Summer Olympics, you know, we, we need to see this more again. You know, go back to the glory days where someone will win a gold in the swimming and then a gold in wrestling. Um, you know, it doesn't happen yeah. nearly enough. Um, and just really try to use equestrian
4: jump to also win in the surfing exactly. in Tokyo.
3: Exactly. And the rock climbing um, mixed with karate. Um, <laughs> you know, the- Rhythmic gymnastics and weightlifting. <laughs> yeah. he- super heavyweight.
0: <laughs>
3: it's just, you know, one of the big, you know, Bulgarian dudes uh, with a ribbon. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just think it would be. I I challenge any Olympic athlete out there to try their very best to do it. And obviously the squirrel as well. Um, I mean, this has been replayed a few times. The the limited stuff I watched yesterday, I think I saw this squirrel about 10 times. Jared, how many times did they actually show it? Oh, probably double 20. Yeah, (laughs) this is so funny though, because like... Um, you know, you you kind of you see this squirrel. You're like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" Just misses it, and it just buggers off. Did you see this too, Colin? I mean, is this? I'm guessing this has got to make it in Canada as well. Nope, (laughs) he doesn't know what we're talking about. The squirrel. I think you might mute yourself, Colin, unless you're breaking into a car. No. I just had a
4: screaming baby in the background. That's alright. So tell
3: Casper at the squirrel. Casper loves squirrels.
4: He's probably watching it right now. I mean, this is actually the first I've heard about this. So, oh, um, Google
3: it. Oh, I'm
4: pulling the story right now.
3: Yeah, it's actually quite funny just seeing this footage of this squirrel, like kamikaze squirrel across the ski course. Um is it wrong that I kind of wanted it to get hit? Is that wrong of me? <laughs>
0: uh.
3: Yes, I thank you for the reactions. Jared, come on, you wanted to get hit too, don't lie. Yeah, I, mm, I, it just makes
5: me think of, I used to have this, like, what do you, would you even call those, like, snowmobile ski things? I don't know what they're called, but anyway, this game on, like, PS1 probably back in the day, and you could hit, like, rabbits and you'd get extra points during the race. <laughs>
3: Oh, it's just, it's just when you play, like, Grand Theft Auto and there's animals in it now. You're like, oh, look at the doggy. Boom, boom, sorry. <laughs> Keep going. That's I, like David Duncan's game. yeah. exactly. <laughs> I do love animals. Um, but, You know, I'm sad we didn't see this in Sydney. Like, you know, the marathon or something like that. A kangaroo bouncing across the, tri- you know, the city. Ibis attacks somebody. <laughs> Ibis attacks somebody, <laughs> yes. Just magpies flying down on the road cycling. Um, A tiger snake biting someone in the middle of the judo. Um,
4: Oh, I can't wait for the sharks to just bite somebody's leg off during the surfing in Tokyo. Mick Fanning punching him in the head.
3: Uh, anyway, closing ceremony. <laughs> um, where to start? Um, I'm going to start off by saying that's probably the most boring, crappest closing ceremony I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, and that even tr- it's even more boring than Rio. At least Rio had the uh, the Tokyo presentation. Um, and yeah, I just it was crap. It really was crap. I'm hanging out for Sai. Sai didn't even show up. Sai knew it was boring. He didn't show up. There was legitimately a, a turtle, there was like an Etcher sketch, there was kids. Um there was some K-pop. The K-pop was the most entertaining part of it. And uh, Martin Durix or Durix whatever his name is the DJ. I loved that bit at the end. That was great. But even the Beijing presentation, that was a snooze fest. Like Jesus. Ah,
4: uh, <laughs> I like the Beijing part. I mean I well, I guess I'll say I like the Beijing part better than I liked the um uh the the, the Korean part of it. But uh, that that does remind me, not that it was the one I was looking for, but there was a great moment during the Beijing presentation where uh, our commentators all of a sudden decided to start going, the TVs are now moving on their own. <laughs> like, this was the most advanced thing anybody had ever seen in an Olympic presentation.
3: Wow. Yeah, that's um, that's exciting commentary. I've got a few commentary uh, faux pas to go through tonight. Jared, uh, any redeeming qualities in the closing ceremony for you? Uh, no, not really. I kind of agree with Colin. I
5: think that the like Beijing section was actually the best, and that's not really saying much. Although I am imagining having nightmares about those lead light pandas, particularly when they're in the little animated bits. They looked even scarier than they did kind of live. There, I was like, "Oh." Well
3: one thing that I do remember, though, I think about the Beijing presentation back in Athens was that I was expecting like this grand parade of dragons and everything. And I do, I do actually remember the Beijing one in Athens being quite underwhelming. Um. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they, you know, arguably some of the greatest opening and closing ceremonies we've ever seen in Beijing. So, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to get a lot better moving forward four years from now. But um, I was sad that the Chinese president didn't come, like, dressed up as I don't know Mulan or something like that. So, you know, um, (laughs) you know, Japan. I'm saying right now, out of the three Asian uh, countries that are hosting the Olympics. Uh, within four years of each other. Tokyo's winning. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Got to mention some Channel 7 lovely things. And, uh, Jared, uh, did you notice at any point when the Swiss came in that Hamish Glockland might've mentioned anyone at all? Mm, yeah,
5: certain somebody who's retweeted every single medal that the Swiss team has won and, also, just happens to be somebody who was on a S- Channel 7 Summer of Tennis and it just happened to win the Australian Open. Oh.
3: And can I just point out, I actually legitimately have breaking news right now, and I'm not even making this up. Okay. Edwina Bartholomew, steamed Athena Edwina Bartholomew, wearing weird hats and everything along those lines. She made a few faux pas during the uh, closing ceremony, including at one stage saying the words, um, oh. And it wouldn't be a closing ceremony without a selfie. Uh, And I'm like, oh, yes, you know, all closing ceremonies pre-2010 never happened. They just weren't a thing. (sighs) Um, When uh, they had the Beijing presentation for 2022, she uttered the sentence, and China, of course, will be the first country to ever host the Winter and Summer Olympics. I'm like, "Um, okay, yeah, I think I know what you mean. I know you're thinking Beijing, but you said what you said. So I tweeted out. I said, "China, the very first country to host both the Summer and Winter Olympics, at Edwina underscore B is perhaps the most uneducated host ever for the closing ceremony, with a gif of Robert Downey Jr. doing a face palm." Now I am not making this up. She has replied to me. Uh, <laughs> Edwina Bartholomew has sent two replies to me. The first one, she said, "The first city, my friend." To which she then <laughs> said afterwards. And if I said country, my apologies. It was all off the cuff and a stupid mistake. Um. (laughs) This has happened within the last five minutes. (laughs) Isn't that just the motto for
5: Channel 7's coverage? It was all off the cuff and a stupid mistake?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) Do I say what Jared said and continue to be a dick or do I appreciate the fact that she actually replied to me?
4: (laughs) There's more attention than you got through anybody from the Australian Olympic Committee.
3: That's very true. That's very true. And I'm apparently her friend now. So, um, <laughs> look at that. I'm in. <laughs> she's, she's scouting me already for Beijing 2022. So, it's like it's working, everybody. Um, hello Edwina, my friend. I better text her, see what she's doing tomorrow. Uh, yeah, just quickly, Jared, before I get you, see if I have any other thoughts. I've had a third reply from Edwina Bartholomew. Jesus Christ, she's she's stalking me. Calm down, Edwina. <laughs> um she she said that is certainly what I meant to say. If I buggered it up, my apologies. Two and a half hours of off the cuff commentary and a stupid mistake. Um now I I've replied. I said this is just typical Ben Waterworth being a suck-up. Um, I secretly knew what you meant. It happens. I complain and troll because you're living my dream. I'll help you out in four years' time. X. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ben doing his usual. Um, you know, but like that, look, I say, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of her at all during these games. But, you know, that's nice. All right? That's nice that she lives up to her mistakes. <laughs> If, see, here's the thing. Did you know that Roger Federer also once made a mistake? Um, and he also <laughs> replied to people. It's, it's interesting to hear that, Colin, that kind of, again, that it, it, it fluctuates how Canada cares about it because you're kind of in a unique position that you also have the Pan Am Games and the Canada Games. Yeah. I mean, you, you, Canada are just all filled with multi-sport events. Uh, is this just your way of training yourselves for Olympics so you can actually start winning medals in the summer games?
4: Well, you'd think that, but we're going to go over uh, some dropouts that we've had in the last 24 <laughs> hours that we're very upset about here. Um, but just just go along with what I was saying about, you know, Canada maybe being inconsistent with TV coverage and stuff like that, because I can remember watching this, but I, you had said, oh, what, what's the famous, like, Canadian moment or whatever? I googled the fifteen hundred meter from Glasgow, which I remember watching, where Ryan Cochrane beat Mac Horton. Yeah. And guess what TV coverage they have on YouTube?
3: Uh, I'm guessing the. Australian coverage, maybe?
4: <laughs> Channel 10. <laughs> Who's Lachie Reed? Is this your commentator? Uh,
3: Locky Reed? Lach- Lachie? Maybe Locky. Lockie? Yeah. Uh, Let's call. The esteemed swimming commentator, Jared. We're very familiar with him. <laughs> um, grew mm. up one of the best broadcasters in this country. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you, Colin. <laughs> Obviously, in thought, was busy that weekend or something like that, or I don't know. Um, well, there you go. Well, there's, there's one for the uh, the the introduction. If you haven't already heard that uh, so far here and off the podium, possibly haven't put it together yet by the time we're recording this.
4: It's incredible to see that you know we have now these three massive stars that are getting more media coverage than, you know, any athlete that we've had in summer games in a long time. And two of them haven't even really done anything in the Olympics yet. So, uh, swimming is mm. kind of because this, this sort of happened here in Canada, not Olympics related, but this happened a couple of years ago, the year where, uh, Milos Ronic and, uh, Jeannie Bouchard both did so well at Wimbledon and Jeannie went on to the finals there and just suddenly tennis became massive here in Canada. And I think that's basically what's going to happen. Uh, I know that, we signed our son Casper, who just made a cameo on here, up for baby swimming classes for the first time. So I kept thinking the whole time, I'm like, "You better be the next Penny Alexiac." I'm paying fifty-two dollars for eight weeks of classes here. <laughs> Give me my money's worth, kid. I'll-
3: I, w- I want people to replay this clip in, like, uh, you know, uh, what, 16, years. 18 years' time. <laughs> if he, you know, gets, like, a bronze medal or something like, you know, Canada's gold in the Olympics. Yeah. You know And here's his proud father, 18 years ago. You better get a medal, kid. You better be the penny look, like kid. Give me my
4: $52 worth, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's mostly pressure, tax deductible, father. but still, I put up good money in <laughs> advance office. this. <laughs> Um, and it is cool. I will just say uh, one of the things that sold me on. <laughs> somebody was telling me, you know, you can sign them up as young as six months. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, yeah, it's tax deductible. I'm like, that's even better. And they're like, oh, you could do it at the Pan Am Pool, which is the pool that's like two minutes from my house, which is where the Pan Am Games were held. I'm like, you mean Casper could swim in the same pool that Olympic athletes have been in? And I only realized afterwards is like he's in a kiddie pool right now. I mean, I don't think that the olympians they're all the pan am games medalists were in the heated kiddie pool playing uh water <laughs> basketball or things like that are going down the mini water slide
3: but i mean Just he'll eventually throw him in there. the big pool casper swim yeah do it olympians <laughs> Just in this pool.
4: drop him off the diving
3: board <laughs> throw
4: oh, him kid, off the 10 meter.
3: you gotta start like tom daly <laughs> I think we'll quickly talk about the, the uh, closing ceremony because look I don't know Colin if you've heard any of what's happening here in this side of the world about uh, where what four days now after the closing ceremony and it's still basically uh, headline news about how crap it was and the problems it had and just basically the issues and everything around it um, I, I just want to start off by saying I was lucky enough to score a ticket to the closing ceremony, which in hindsight really wasn't that hard considering half the stadium was empty. Jared, you probably could have gotten one and walked there and still made it in time. Colin, you could probably still get there and still see it. Um, I mean, it was an amazing thing to see live, to be at a closing ceremony of that scale. Colin, you obviously went to the Canada Games one. You know what I'm talking about. Like, when you get to go to an event like that, it's pretty crazy. But just some of the things around it, the fact that at the end of the day, even Channel 7 come at the end of their broadcast and go, this was crap, we're sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know there's a problem jared i'll start with you I, again i don't know if you watched it but surely you've heard this news about it i mean this closing series a fairly successful commonwealth game this is just an embarrassment this is how it's ended it was so bad and the fact that like the channel 7
5: commentators like bagging out was the best part of it just like tells <laughs> you how bad it was like I think Joanna Griggs has made, like, got so many new fans for her just, like, tearing shreds yes. into what happened. Like, it was such a joke. Uh, even, like, the ceremony itself was very kind of, like, high school production value. Um, It really bugged me that nobody could sing their own song. Like, everybody was yes. just singing covers. And then you had moments where somebody would sing a cover and then the next artist would come out and sing that person's song who had just sung before. Like Yes! It just didn't make any sense, like, just get them to sing their own song. There were no, like, there were, like, middle, like, range names, but there was no, like, big kind of standout performer moment there. Um, Yeah, the only thing that made it better was the rant at the end and the fact that Birmingham's (laughs) little promo was even worse worse than our, (laughs) like, closing ceremony just made everything better. (laughs)
3: I just love the fact that, yeah, like because we were in this area watching it with, you know, a bunch of other workers who had gotten free tickets. And particularly like at the end when you've got like this, yeah, high school musical concert with the C-list celebrities from Australian singing. who are singing A-list celebrity songs because they couldn't get the real A-listers. And the fact that you even have people singing Kate Sobrano covers and then they introduce Kate Sobrano. It's like well, she's just there. Get her to sing her own songs. Like what's wrong with her? Um, and it was just, it was just awkward, and that went on forever, and the fact everyone's calling it the Australian Idol Reunion Tour, um, which, you know, fair enough, Guy Sebastian was there, I'm sure, Colin, you're happy about that, why didn't Guy Sebastian close it, like, what, like, he's the guy, everybody around me went nuts and Guy Sebastian came out, he's the one that should have been closing it off, um, I mean, I kind of weirdly like saying Bolt DJing with Boraby. There was something <laughs> weird about that that I actually liked. But other than that, like, because we we got into the stadium and we were sort of waiting around. And all of a sudden we hear this cheer and we look through and we can see the flags. And we're like, oh, this can't be the athletes. It's still like half an hour to go before the damn ceremony. And it was the athletes. And then all of a sudden, right in front of us, there's Taylor Ruck with the Canadian flag. We can't, we're trying to find Kurt Fernley, like with the Australian flag. We're going, oh, this is a bit weird. Maybe they're doing like a preview before the actual thing. But this is the, the main bit that's getting the criticism, is the fact that they let the athletes in beforehand and didn't broadcast anything. And this is where Channel 7 are going off about it, which I think, fair enough. And I think also, like where I was sitting, directly opposite me, one of the stands, it was absolutely empty. Absolutely empty. And you two won't get this joke. It was just like being at a Gold Coast Suns game where the stadium is generally empty during the AFL season anyway. Um, so that was a bit that was, to me, it was like weird that this is a closing ceremony and it was absolutely empty. Um, and yeah, that Birmingham thing was just like, what the hell are we, where are we going in four years? Like I realised Durban lost the games. Um, And this is kind of a last-minute fill-in, but a lot of the British people that I was working with were like, why the hell has Birmingham got the games? There's nothing there. It's a dump. And I think this video sells that. As come to Birmingham, we've got buildings and roads, and we've got a fairly fancy camera work where we can do one shot of people badly lip-syncing to Mr. Blue Sky. So... The ironic thing is, is that the last time we had uh, a situation where Olympics had to be, well, in this case, they were obviously cancelled due to the war. Uh, the first time that happened back in, um, during World War Two. I mean, obviously it happened during World War One. Berlin got cancelled in 1916. But uh, 1940, Japan... Um Twice it happened to them in one year, Sapporo, uh, the Winter Games. Can't catch a break. Uh, And then Tokyo, and they had some sharing there with Helsinki going on as well, and Garmish had some of the winter events too. So, um, yeah, Jared, poor old Japan, eh? They just – are are they a curse on the Olympics? Do we need to look at this? Um, Not as big of a uh, curse as uh,
5: Swiss – uh, no. Multivitamins, so um, I think on the <laughs> scale they're kind of sitting fairly okay at
3: the moment. <laughs> Coronavirus is the Swiss multivitamins of diseases, isn't it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Better on Swiss or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's crazy to kind of think that I'm I'm somebody for like trends and and things like that in history and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so I think Jared, you might have mentioned it. Are they still looking at calling this Tokyo twenty twenty next year? I mean, should this not be called Tokyo twenty twenty one next year? I mean, you would think so,
5: but I, as far as I see on everything, it's still like the branding is the same. So I
3: don't know. I
5: think it'd, printed it'd be the weird.
0: Signs. Mm, yeah.
3: <laughs> Somebody get a sharpie, scratch that <laughs> off, cross it off. Um, I just I feel like I should point out the obvious here too. Uh, we've we've talked about it on the show before, but let's bring it up. Hobart's still ready to go people Hobart 2020 <clears throat> just saying um, hey, I'll be honest flimflon. yeah flimflon yeah mate, mate, I'll be honest right now this is all my fault I started COVID-19 so that we could get the Olympics back yeah. I was that <laughs> angry that we missed out on the 2020 Olympics that so here we go we're ready to go <laughs>
4: Just before we go, just wanted to tell you, you know, obviously we've been talking about you for a couple of years on multiple podcasts here. And literally right behind my corner, I will send you a picture when we're done. I have an autograph painting that I bought off of some sports trader. I'd gone in to get a Doug Gilmore rookie card. And I see this giant autograph painting of John Montgomery from the Olympics signed right behind no. me. So it's, it's there. No.
16: Dude, you got to go back for that Dougie Gilmore rookie card. I got both. Uh, I will
4: say I got both. <laughs> okay. You, I'm, I'm happy about that. You're, you're in the same league as Doug Gilmore, at least. They're up there. Uh, well, don't say that. Dougie is uh, he's my childhood hero. My oh. mom's last name is Gilmore. So I used to go
16: around telling people that Doug was my uncle. And, of course, nobody believed <laughs> me, but I, I just would tell them that anyway. But I have a quick funny story about that. I was in, uh, in Hamilton doing an event, and I got up. And earlier that night, I signed a. It was a well-done piece of art made out of um, clay, of a mold of me carrying a pitcher of beer. And so I signed this about 30 centimeter tall clay figurine of me, holding a pitcher of beer. And I was like, "This is awesome! Somebody spent a month or so, and they said it took 30 days to craft this thing. And they had to look at my." picture every day that's poor soul Uh, and so later on that night I was auctioning it off live at this event and I couldn't really see past the bright lights and what happened was I ended up selling up to a person in the audience who was Doug Gilmore gave it to me that night and I had signed it earlier and I said well this is incomplete without a Doug Gilmore signature on it so (laughs) Doug Gilmore bought me and gave me myself uh I got his autograph on it and so now I have a picture of me with my signature and Dougie's on it and uh and I and I treasure that thing so yeah well
4: hey you send me a picture because it's me (laughs) but because it was Gilmore signature not because it's me (laughs) hey look we had the same childhood hero you send me a picture of that I will send you a picture of my Doug Gilmore card in front of my painting of you done deal The other thing I find really interesting with relays, whether it be swimming or with uh, athletics, is that you're basically uh, on a team with the very people you're competing against in other events, too, which is crazy. I mean, you've over the years, you know, competed against Andre and Gavin and, and Brendan, you know, your teammates. And then you have to suddenly switch it on. Okay, now we're a team. You know, do you guys get to train much together uh, throughout the year in either the individual events or in the relay? Uh,
16: Not in the individuals. In the individuals, we're always against each other. But um, in the relays, we usually have a training camp. Now, uh, over the years, we've been going to the camps less and less just because, you know, we've had more emphasis on our individual events. But um, early on, we were at the camps for a really long time, almost too long. Um, because it would sacrifice the individual events. But, you know, we're trying to still find that balance of getting enough time in to practice amongst each other while also being able to give priority to our individual events. Um, but, yeah, we, we make it work. You know, we've been working with each other over the years for a very long time. We're all we're all friends off the track, and we only hate each other when we're lined up against each other. Yeah. <laughs> individual races. But other than that, you know, we, we like each other, so...
3: What's your favourite video game?
13: I This is going to sound really lame But I I can't do video games I'm really bad at them My mum actually lapped me in Mario Kart And (laughs) after that humiliating defeat I was out of there Could not handle it It was so sad I got (laughs) lost I got lost in the court I don't know how I got lost in Mario Kart But I just could not find my way So honestly I'm going to have to say Tetris I don't even know if that counts I'm just going to go with Tetris
3: I, I, I think when you can say that you've been lapped by your mum in Mario Kart, you are probably not good it at video bad. games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unless your mum is like the world champion in Mario Kart. i will take away from your yeah, mum. It
13: was her first time playing. Oh, okay. Um, well, yep. So wow. that wasn't great. wasn't great. Okay.
3: Stick to the sport climbing, Ella. Stick to the sport climbing. Of E-games, probably not in your future. The two things I always love to find out from Olympic medalist Brendan is, one, where do you keep your medal? What 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 have you done with your medal since you won it?
15: Uh, it's at home. It, it's in Canada in my house, just, in my room.
3: Right. So you don't put it on display or anything? Is it kind of just in your sock drawer? I'm not trying oh, to get it stolen. I'm just, you know, is it like a pride of place at the Brendan Rodney house?
15: I will. I have um, my Olympic uniform from Rio framed. So... Eventually, I'm gonna put the the medal and the uniform in the same frame.
3: Nice. And
15: I have it. Yeah. But, um, right now, it's not, uh, my box actually broke, and then our medals were tarn- like tarnishing, so they made us send them back, and then they sent it to send us it back.
3: Right. So, yeah. Interesting. And the other one, I you, like I, and I hear some funny stories with this. Do you ever try and get free stuff with it? Like, do you kind of walk into a shop with a medal, <laughs> Olympic medalist? I would love a free box of chicken McNuggets.
15: I, I mean, I've seen it work, and like, you like, if I was to, I mean, I'm not that type of person. So, I mean, I guess if when we were coming back from Rio, I probably could have put my medal on and like got upgraded to first class and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, I don't, I don't use it to get free.
17: stuff. You should try
15: I mean, it. You should try it,
3: Brendan. Come on. <laughs>
15: I do use it to get free stuff. Like, I would say, oh, I'm an Olympic medalist. You know, could you sponsor me and give me free stuff that way? But I won't put it on and then walk into a <laughs> store and say, hey, an Olympic medal.
3: <laughs> <laughs> It'll work. I'm telling you, it will work. Where, you know, I'm, I'm thinking some, some good things with that. I
5: want to know more about, like, the concept of, like, did we get to the stage of, like, Opening ceremony and guests (laughs) and ideas and
3: then, like, how far down the track did we get? Well, this is the thing, because when people would ask me that, when people like, what are your ideas? Like, I would come up with completely, ridiculously stupid things. Like, I actually interviewed Nikki Webster. We were talking about this off air because it's sort of at the time of recording this, it's 20 years since Sydney, so... Nikki Webster's back in the media again. Of course she is. She appears every now and then. But I remember when I interviewed Nikki Webster and we were kind of still on the joke of the Hobart Olympics, we were like, hey, Nikki, like, 2020, like, we're going to get you back in the Olympics. We're going to recreate you flying out there in your little pink summery dress and doing all this. I'm like, we would just come up with outlandish things. And I don't think we ever fully came to a conclusion about the cultural <laughs> aspect of Because this is the thing about Hobart, like... I mean, this would only be 20 years removed from Sydney. I think Sydney did a great story of showing Australia's history. It would be more of a sort of a a regional thing by that point of showing Tasmanian history. Uh, I mean, it'd be pretty boring, I think. So, no, we don't really have any famous singers from Tasmania. Um, All our famous people uh, are either cricketers or people who lucked into marrying the Prince of Denmark in a bar during the Olympics um, or people who win Big Brother. Uh, so, I mean, maybe as as it's I created it, it'd probably just be a two-hour tribute to me. I don't know. Um.
4: <laughs> Could we have had, like, Noah Groves and Fatty Esther doing don't the national he, anthem? I think so. I think
3: we would have had no choice. Because, like... Oh, <laughs> yeah the tribute
5: to regina would have just been amazing <laughs> as as a whole section of the opening ceremony recreating her big brother victory
3: the, the, the fish and chip shop owner from cambridge <laughs> putting in an audition here she is walking down the street putting a vh i mean this is the thing when i got interviewed the other day for this story uh and that was the question david asked me was like what would the opening ceremony be and i literally said like oh i don't know um Nikki Webster emerges from a can or of Cascade beer or like I was just basically coming up with the most outlandish things. I, I basically said we will have a tribute to the luckiest woman in the world, Mary Donaldson, who became Tasmania's Kim Kardashian, who is basically famous for just being famous because she met a prince and we would have David Boone. Because like little sidebar story for this to make sense. David Boone, one of Australia's most well known prominent cricketers, one of Tasmania's famous Probably Tasmania's top two, top three most famous people ever. He was renowned for drinking beer. Of course he would be as an Australian. What else would you be renowned for? And on a flight from Australia to England in the 80s or 90s, I I don't know how many he drank. He drank something like 20 or 30 cans of beer on one flight and survived, and it was legendary. It became myth in Australia about David Boone's drinking exploits on a flight to London. So I said in this article, like, and we would recreate David Boone's drinking exploits on the thing. And and like Ricky Ponting, who another very famous Australian cricketer who's from Tasmania, he went on to captain Australia for, for many years, Tasmania's first ever captain of the Australian cricket team. He, when he first started out, was a kind of a bit of a... A rebellious young person. Like, I think he got into a bar fight in a nightclub when he first made the Australian team. Um, you know, just he got up to all these stupid things before he calmed down. So I was saying, like, and we will recreate Ricky Ponting's rise from a rebellious teenager getting into bar fights to leading his country to victory in cricket. And, like, this like, like, come on. Like, what does Tasmania have to celebrate outside of that? I, I don't know. Mona? Ricky, the poo
5: machine? Ricky Ponting hitting a flaming cricket ball to yeah. light the cauldron on top of Cradle yeah. Mountain. I don't think anything could have topped it
3: and is it then the games are over you not only can you let your hair down you can let your hair down with the bronze medal around your neck i mean what what, what are the, yeah. the the remainder of the games like then do you just do you never take that off around your neck
18: yeah well we did wear it out that night we all had like a big dinner and then we went out and it's actually really heavy so like, and also with the swimmers as well, we all had like a fair bit of chafe around our neck where the swimmers would sit. Uh, and then the really heavy like medal, So we wore it around and it was like weighing us down, but no, you don't take it off. And it's not even weird not to take it off. Like after people win their medals, you see medals around the village. Like, okay. It's not that common because it's rare to win a medal, but you see, like, I remember that the first time I saw someone wearing their gold medal around, like, it's like a, it's not frowned upon at all to wear your medal around the village. So we just wore it nonstop. Like you wear it with such pride.
3: Michael Phelps must walk around with a bloody sore neck.
18: <laughs> yeah, seriously. We saw some people with like multiple medals. That's incredible. <laughs> this would, you'd be in the dining hall and you'd like want to go up and just look. <laughs> well, it reminds me yeah. of
3: like we all remember in our school carnivals when you would have the ribbons, right? And for about two or three days you'd be wearing yeah. like all your ribbons on your shirt.
18: Yeah. No, and I've got my medal. It's in my other room. I here, well, I, but,
3: um... I remember during our Survivor interview, I, I asked you about <laughs> that. I mean, you're, you're welcome to go and get it now if you want to. I can take a screenshot this time because that didn't work last time when I got the screenshot. So maybe All we right. can do that in just a second. But two things I always love to actually ask about medalists when we get on this show. The first one, I mean, is where you keep your medal. So you, you kind of have it on display. Is that kind of what you have it on at your house or?
18: Mm, it's not on display, but it's not packed away either. Just... um. Just in one of the drawers, in its little case, um, easily accessible, but it's not on display. I wouldn't say.
3: The other thing is Ziggy, and be honest with me. I want you to be completely honest with me with this, this ah, question. Okay. Did you ever try and get free shit with it when you're either in London or Australia? Do you kind of like sneakily, you know, go to your local restaurant, and be like, hey, I'm an Olympic medal. Let's give me a free fucking drink or something like that.
18: <laughs> no. I never did. I feel like I should have used
3: I, that. Oh, definitely God. more. You need more people. Olympians listen to this show. Get free stuff. You're a medalist. You deserve free <laughs> stuff.
18: Should. Maybe I should bring it out. I'll like bring it out over the weekend. You should have brought it to
3: Survivor. They, they wouldn't have voted it. you out there. And that's an idol that they wouldn't, you know,
0: yeah, <laughs> wouldn't, yeah.
3: get you to play. Go, go, I want to see the medal. Okay. I want to get a screenshot. Can All you? Right. Can you?
0: Okay.
3: I'm excited for this because I have seen <laughs> it before. I I know this on the Oz network that. Uh, Ziggy did get it out when I, I asked for it, but I think in the midst of taking a screenshot, something happened with my computer, so I ultimately never got that. And anyone listening to this show knows that I have this weird obsession with seeing the, the medals because I, for one, would never take the bloody thing off. So that's how I would go. All right. Oh, here we go. Okay, now. Hold that up for me. I'm going to do this screenshot again. This is great for the podcast. All right. And beautiful. Let's see if that worked. The thing I actually really like about the... Uh, oh, beautiful. That worked a treat. I love the London medal. I think the London medal is one of the the, the better-looking medals we've had in the last uh, few Olympics, the purple ribbon and kind of the shape of it and all that sort of stuff. Did, yeah, I mean,
18: it's very nice.
3: Did you, did you... Once you wore that, you're sort of saying you're wearing it back and wearing in the village and all that sort of stuff. How... Did you ever just want to not take it off?
12: Um,
18: I don't feel like even if it's not on my neck, it has no value, you know? So, I mean, I like love it, but it doesn't have to always necessarily be <laughs> on
0: me. You know, like
18: I definitely, like, like I said, a lot of my uniform is like stored in my parents' house or whatever, but like this will never just be left at their house. Like I always want this to be around but it doesn't have to be on me
3: <laughs> what about your uh well again now husband then boyfriend at the time I mean obviously he'd be very proud of you of course for, for having a medal but uh is, is there sometimes like you know if maybe you have a disagreement or something like that that you can just whip out the medal and be like hey hey shut up I've got one <laughs> of these you don't you know you clean the dishes tonight
18: yeah I should I should use it more but no I've never used it against him but it does come up in conversations a lot actually um yeah, he brings it up more than what I do. Go really?
3: On. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have one. As soon as that is finished as soon as you've, you've nailed it and the look on both your face. I mean, David famously, you know, reaches down to the ice. He kisses it. He pumps it up. Even you've got this big, broad grin on your face. You're pumping up the crowd. The crowd is on their feet. Like you are getting a standing ovation. I mean, before you enter the kiss and cry, just that must, that feeling then like, must be incredible because you, you, it's not like a, a sprint, you don't have that feeling of you cross the line, you know, you've won the gold, you've got the glory. That's the closest you get there, isn't it? So, I mean, that then you, you're thinking, We've done it, David, we're gold medalists. That must just be incredible.
19: We did, we actually, uh, because we knew that the Russians had made at least one mistake, um, and they were the toughest to beat, and so the door for us was open a little bit, and we had just um, skated the best performance that we could. Uh, that day. And I mean, it, I mean, people always go, it was perfect. It was, there's no perfect, but it was flawless. It was, um, we had executed all of our elements well. Um, so we knew when we were skating off that we had done, done it. Like we really thought that was it. And so when the first uh, set of marks come up, the technical merit, we knew they were higher than the Russians based on what we, cause we skated right after them and we could hear their marks. You don't focus on you know, you're not, you're not focused on the details of, oh, they got four, five, five sevens or five eights and one five. No, like you're not focused on the numbers per se, but you can hear 5.7, 5.8. And you go, okay, as soon as you hear five, seven, or even a five, eight, you go, oh, you know, it's not, not perfect. So when we had five eights and five nines, we were like, we got it. And you can see our reaction. Like Dave's like, oh my God, we're going to win. And I'm looking, I'm, I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. And here we go. And then all of a sudden the second mark comes up, the artistic impression and the ordinal number two comes up and Dave just like fell to his lap. And I look at my coach and this is like something so ridiculous to say, because I know this doesn't happen, but I look at my coach and I'm like, it's going to switch, right? Like we're going to go back to first, right? And my coach is just like smiling, going, "Hmm." Um, and I just I remember leaving the po- the kiss and cry in in just absolute shock. Like we, if I look back at our body language and how I felt in that moment, I was in, that was what shock feels like. Because I went from "We've we've nailed it, we've got this, we're gonna win!" Oh my God, here are the marks were winning. To psych, just kidding. No, you're not winning. You're second. Um, you know now this and all these things go through your mind like this changes the entire rest of my life you know and and not to play victim but I you know I didn't want to sit in that too long but I did I was like I can't believe they've taken this away from us we you know it was our night and I played the whole thing through my head like the judges they did this to us and (laughs) Um, I was I was sad I was really sad because immediately um, after you skate you go back to the to all the television and Uh, broadcasters and everybody wants to talk to you and I'm just trying not to cry because I'm feeling sorry for myself and I can't believe what I've just witnessed and the event's still going on the Chinese are skating and they're skating really well and I'm just like this is so bizarre Um, but then we went out for the medal ceremony and Dave just he hugged me and he just said like we did every this is making me emotional right now we did everything that we could do today and that's all that's all we can focus on and that's all that we honestly truly came here to do and we've worked our whole lives. We've been through so many challenges and ups and downs separately and then together. And we came here and we did it. He's like, let's keep our heads high. And he was strong. He was so strong. So we get off the podium and I'm emotional and we start skating around and it was the French comment CBC commentators that came down and said to Dave, there's, there's a scandal. There's something going on. And I remember thinking, what, (laughs) what do you mean? And Dave's like, there's something, there was something going there was a fix in. So then it started to make sense of like, Oh, okay. That's why we're second. <laughs> but then, and then, and then as they would say, you know, shit hit the fan and, and, and the French judge went back to the hotel and she felt guilty. And so she spoke up, but there was four other judges that had a second that were a part of that um, collusion. Right. So I go, but they weren't even mentioned. And I said, the French judge, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have a gold medal. She was the one that came forward and said, this isn't right.
3: Who to you is the greatest Olympian of all time?
20: Oh, that is a hard one. Um, I'm probably, I feel like you can't really go past like Michael Phelps and Mm -hmm. Ian Thorpe, the ones that have won a... Brazilian medals. Um, (laughs) but I think, um, Kathy Freeman's probably up there with one of Australia's greatest of all time. Just the the amount of pressure that she had on her shoulders in uh, the 2000 Olympics to win that medal. Um, and she just did it so gracefully. And, um, you couldn't even tell that like, she just didn't seem rattled whatsoever. And I think she literally was carrying the weight of a nation on her that day. And she just, did it and yeah i think that's inspiring things i've ever watched
3: for sure did you when you were in the village do you do you see michael phelps do you kind of do you go around sort of spotting athletes like phelps or a same bolt kind of see like oh there they are
20: yeah we definitely were we were like fangirling the whole time (laughs) uh Dahl was sort of like he must have been on a similar training schedule to us so we kind of crossed paths with him a lot um getting on buses and um, it was exciting every single time. Like day 10, it's still exciting.
3: Do you, do you get a selfie? <laughs> do you do you work out the courage? To be like, hey, hey, Rafa, you know, can I get a selfie?
20: Uh, no, nah, I didn't actually. He's like very focused.
3: Right. And
20: yeah. 14 girls running up to him. So,
0: yeah, we <laughs> kind of...
3: Sure, he's probably used to it. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was Rio or uh, it must have been London. I remember Stephanie Rice fangirling out over uh, Kobe Bryant and kind of like there was a, and the whole Australian media picked up, like, oh, Stephanie Rice with Kobe Bryant. And, you know, you sort of like, yeah, I, I, I would be like that. I would be in that village, you know, trying to be focused on it. But like, holy crap, there's Serena Williams or, you know, there's yeah. the same bolt. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm in the, like, selfie, take a picture with me. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible at my job.
4: It was insane, like, the, the amount of success that Canada achieved as a whole in the pool in 2016. You know, what was it like to be part of that, not just for you, but for, like, for the entire team to know not only are you going to be remembered as, uh, okay, I was a bronze medalist and 100 meter backstroke, but that you were part mm-hmm. of what's probably going to go down in history as one of the most groundbreaking performances across the board in a single sport.
21: Mm-hmm. It was so incredible, and it was so special to be a part of. And I think when you're in that bubble and when you're, you're kind of surrounded by each other, it's, you, you don't really know how impactful it has been until you kind of escape from that bubble and you, you see other people and you hear the media and you hear these questions being asked. And um, it, it really felt normal around like on the pool deck and and amongst those, like our, our Canadian team with the success that we had, I think it made it, um, the results so achievable for so many people, just seeing one another be able to achieve um, podium finishes and successes. I think, um, you know, for me in my own story, like I watched Penny win a medal the, like right before I, I was about to swim. So, you know, seeing her win a medal was like insane and it really inspired me to like, you know, she can do it. Like I can do it. Uh, kind of attitude and I think that um you know that was the whole kind of vibe for our whole team was really just building off of each other's um you know performances and and motivating each other and empowering each other to um really just stick in your own lane and just give it your all and, and to see what you could do and to never doubt yourself because um you never know sometimes rankings don't don't um mean anything in, in the end.
3: And so before I let you go, I have to ask as well: uh, squirrel bikes? Did they not take off where you kind of ran over squirrels? No? I mean, I'm
0: always
22: willing to to ride the squirrel bike. So if anybody needs me to push the decapitated squirrel out of the brake pads, like I'm, <laughs> I'm available. Um, for anybody that is listening that thinks that that's a really strange story, you just have to read the book. because that the book. is Yeah. I still I still giggle when I think about coming up to the situation where those girls were dealing with this squirrel um and i still still makes me laugh so i'm glad you guys enjoyed that section
3: It was, it was brilliant. I mean, I still get giddy over seeing a squirrel here. We were recording yesterday, Colin. He and did. I'm, a squirrel. I'm on the third floor on our deck. My cat's like eyeing the squirrel off. And I'm like, oh, squirrel, squirrel. And Colin's like, it's just a squirrel. I'm like, well, if you are in an Australia <laughs> and a kangaroo was outside, you'd be losing your shit too. Like, come what? on, that's just the, regular to me. <laughs> the crazy
4: part was that he was impressed. He's like, but I'm up on the third floor. I'm like, these things will run across power lines. Like the third floor is nothing for a squirrel.
22: <laughs> no, that's... It's funny, uh, Jen Bottrell. So we talk about this story a lot. And in 2002, um, they did a little documentary about our team. And they talked about, they talked to Vicky about the squirrel bike. And so that kind of came out. And Jennifer Bottrell was doing a presentation out in St. Thomas, I think, in the Maritimes at the university, the Tommies. Um, and she showed up. And their team mantra for the year that year was, I'll ride the squirrel bike. <laughs> and was on the back of their t-shirts. And that was really cool to see that that had sort of permeated um mass culture so may- maybe we could make start to make signs that say that i'll do it
3: we'll wear t-shirts or metal. Yeah, metal. I also have a metal yeah
22: i also have a picture of the squirrel um in the bike and oh. i wanted to that in the book but the um the publisher was like it is it does it doesn't have a head on it and if <laughs> there, that probably wouldn't um, really go over well with the readers
3: Wow. <laughs> well if you want <laughs> to share that Would've with us group Greek... we'll put it on our social media we're happy to do that yes <laughs> we don't have a publishing company they won't care uh, okay.
4: <laughs> it'll be my pro for all further interviews from this point going forward shazam will be replaced as that squirrel pick on my profile promise <laughs> promise absolutely 100 percent
3: What, what did you do with the medal? I always like to find this out, Brittany, what people, <laughs> Olympians do with their medals. Is this something that you carry around with you just in case you want a free Big Mac or something? <laughs> or is it on display? Or like, what do you do with the medal?
23: It is currently a, in its box in my room right now. For a while, I, I would have loved to put it on display mostly because... We call it our shrine, but my dad is a big, big sports fan and he's very, very proud of both his daughters. So our basement is a, is a sport. uh, It's everywhere. It's uh, posters, trophies, especially when I went to to Georgia because you get a trophy for every top eight finish. So they're just, they're everywhere. Um, And so he loves to decorate it and he's made some really cool um, cases and, and different things, but, with this one, I'm very passionate about sharing it. And I because I didn't have that moment necessarily of elation when I won it, um, I like to continue to see it through other people's eyes and to share it with young swimmers, to share it with anyone really. And and at that moment is important, just as important for me as it is for them. So I love it to be accessible because I, I do use it. I mean, not as much anymore as I did probably the year after the Games. but. I do bring it places if needed for mostly talking purposes. I'm not bringing it to the bar or restaurant
3: or anything. Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for an Olympia. We say this all the time. Like, you know, surely you can just walk into like McDonald's with a medal, right? And be like, hey. Oh,
14: you think? Not quite.
3: I would. If I was at one of those stores, I would give you free shit. Like, I don't care who you are. (laughs) You've got an Olympic medal around your neck, you're getting free stuff.
23: I don't know about all athletes but a lot of athletes like swimmers specifically like they'll get their medal and the minute they're off the podium they take it off like it's this big like you've earned it but you don't like wear it I don't know it's bizarre well, my, well Michael it's, it's Phelps
0: right like
3: Michael Phelps gets one or two he's another he's one for the drawer pre- pretty sure Michael Phelps probably gets sick of him after a while right
4: <laughs> another I'm one I'm sure Ryan Lochte is polishing it and styling it by the time <laughs> Ryan Lochte
3: doesn't know what it is he's looking at it going dude what the hell is going on with this
0: thing <laughs>
4: I've never quite wrapped my head around all the rules of high jumping, but you get the opportunity to jump again. And depending on what network you're watching on, if you're watching on CBC, NBC, who knows what, there seems to be differing opinions on whether or not a jumper would go again. But for me, I watching at home, I'm thinking, if you have another jump to go, even though you secured the medal, why wouldn't you go for, I mean, I'm assuming you were just going to try to, you know, bump it up and maybe go for world record, you know, Olympic record, whatever it is. Uh, is, is there a reason why somebody wouldn't go for that? And what kind of uh, led to your decision to, I want to jump one more time, even though I don't have to? Uh,
11: yeah. So I I actually in Rio could have jumped three more times. I elected to take just one. I mean, it, in order to jump 240 or to jump, you know, any sort of Olympic height, it requires a lot of energy and it's also quite emotionally draining. Um, so for me, when I found out that i won, I knew, I knew that it was probably going to happen. I knew that it wasn't looking good that the other jumper was, was going to make this bar. So when you, when he misses, which he probably is going to, you know, you're going to win, but you need to keep yourself in the mindset because you're jumping really well. I think I have a great shot at breaking the Olympic record today and I want to take that shot. So when I found it that I won, I was really just trying as hard as I possibly could to, you know, don't celebrate it right now and you've got business still to take care of. So kind of trying to like shoo away cameramen to just keep everything, keep myself composed, keep everything in place to take this shot at the Olympic record. I often say that I almost wish that he had made that bar so that I could have taken three legitimate attempts at the Olympic record under some pressure or it really meant something. But to be honest, that was really the only reason why I took the three jumps. I had already won. Um, if it wasn't to, to sort of set a new Olympic record, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have taken the other three jumps. So it's all kind of circumstantial whether you would. It's not a super common occurrence that somebody wins the Olympics by a height. So usually you don't see that normally we're kind of watching if both athletes don't make it we have to go back and look at the scorecard which is always you know really exciting for for the fans who don't really understand the rules to uh (laughs) of try to figure out
4: just equating it to a summer sport you know if you look at uh you know track and field or a hundred meter sprint Usain Bolt was considered to be completely out of his mind to look at the other runners, you know, but I have to imagine that you have some focus on who you're racing against is, Oh, they look like they're a little bit ahead of me. Or can you even gauge how close uh, you are and how far ahead somebody might be ahead of you?
14: Yeah. I mean, you, you get it like in the peripherals, like I, like I can notice like where my competitor is, but then like sometimes that like I've been trying to work on it, like with my mental game Like if I see them, like I'll try to like go faster, but like then I forget about my whole line and like what I'm trying to do with the course. And then, you know, I'll end up like messing up or something. Um, So I definitely like try not to recognize them. It's only, it's only when like I cross the finish line um, where like, you know, if you're far ahead, you can know, and you can like look back uh, to see where they're at.
3: It is one of the beauties about a lot of winter sports though, where, you in a way can kind of cheer for the other people to fail so like if all of a sudden you get like a bad start and then you know they're like you know five gates ahead and you're going well i'm not going to catch i mean you just secretly got shit fall fall you bastard fall 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 and then if they fall you've kind of got to not smile oh what a shame you fell down oh whoops
14: yeah no we we talk about uh like how to intimidate your uh your opponent in the stargate So like you like you know who you're going against like when you get into the stargate So we always like have these jokes about like, you know, you know how like the Italians like uh kiss each other like on the cheek and mm-hmm. stuff. Like you just like ended up making out with a guy like <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Well, we throw it
3: off. <laughs> I'd want that that's something we are got to see at the Olympics. We just all of a sudden wanna see like you go to shake the other guy's hand and just full on, you know, make out and he's like, What the hell? <laughs> Throws him off. Cool, sweet gold medal for me, down the hill.
14: Exactly.
3: Exactly. <laughs> it-
14: yeah. We we always talk about like different scenarios of like how to get in their head. <laughs>
3: then from that point in terms of like the AOC like do you get a do you get a phone call like a letter from John Coates like congratulations like you know your, your uniform will be available on this day like I mean because I can imagine there's a bit of a, a process around you know the Australian Olympic Committee and kind of what happens from that point when you've qualified for an Olympic Games
17: yeah I, I was uh I was waiting for that phone call on the Monday so like you know the the 23rd of December or whatever it was it's like yeah sweet I'm gonna get a phone call here we go Nothing. Oh, it must be like Christmas. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wait for the new year. Oh, cool. First week, uh, you know, government departments, they'll be back. You know, they're, they're having a bit of extra time. Second week of January, that's oh, still nothing. That's <laughs> oh, still nothing. And then I end up ringing up our a, a national coaching director um, for sport climbing. It's like, hey, man, like, am I going to hear anything? And he's like, no, no, that's it. You've kind of on your own now until getting to Tokyo, you find out a couple of things. And, um, so it's like, it's a little bit different to what you think. Um, I don't know whether that's just like Corona stuff or, or whatever. Um, but you know, that there is just so much going on at the moment for everyone. Like the, I, I am now in communication with, um, different people, um, from the AOC um and like organizing all sorts of things but it's just like it's so hard at the moment because there's so many people that are uh, a lot of sports that aren't yet qualified Mm -hmm. a lot of athletes and that they're going around and doing the world cups through europe and south america and stuff um trying to get their final qualification stuff happening and um the aoc is trying to support them in making sure that travel doesn't get disrupted too much um and keeping a track of them for, you know, health and safety points of view. So there's a lot going on um, and it's pretty difficult to try and I, I'd imagine keep all these p- plates spinning at the moment.
3: Which also too, I mean, you know, people are still qu- are questioning every single day whether the Olympics are, are gonna happen. And I can imagine that you, you don't think about that because you, to you, you're going to the Olympics no matter what. and the organizing committee in Tokyo basically said, no matter what, we're going to make these happen somehow, which obviously adds to that un- uncertainty of it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't really matter if they call you up, you know, a week before the opening ceremony. <laughs> I mean, as long as, you, as long as you get in a plane and you've got a couple of uh, rings on your on your jacket underneath the Australian logo, that's all you really care about, right?
17: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, look, it, it's one of those things It's easy to kind of, Run off down different headline um, things that come out and all that, and it's like, eh, Until I actually hear something official from someone official, I'm not. I don't care about what anyone is like. You know, Fox Sports can run that story or do whatever they want to do. It's like until I hear from John Coates that it's not going ahead. You're, um, you're, um,
3: you're there. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're an I'm Olympian, there. Tom. You're, you're an Olympian. As, <laughs> exactly. As <I> <laughs> Sled a name and do you talk to the sled on the way down? Is it like your car, like when you get a car, you give your car a name and you talk to it if it's being shit? Do you do that with the sled?
13: Um, a little bit. I mean, some pilots are really weird and they and they, you know, get really attached to their sleds. I, I do a little bit. I, What's a call? Really Have black. you given it a name? Yeah, my my two man—I've given my two man a name. It's Black Beauty,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs>
13: and uh, and I feel really bad. Like if I've had a bad day and I've banged the sled around a little bit, I, I talk to it. But it's more of a joke, you know. Like it's it's a funny, and then my team thinks I'm a bit crazy. Nah, but it's it. it like you do a little bit sometimes you've quite come quite attached to your sled and you want to be able to work with it very well. So yeah, I guess it comes naturally sometimes. <laughs> well,
3: Just, just a, another friendly tip come Beijing, you've got that green and gold monobob sled, please call mm. it Ben because I would love to represent the Olympics in some capacity. And if I'm a sled, <laughs> I'll take it. And then that way, when you win a medal, I can say that I'm an Olympic medalist cause I got you down to the bottom of the, the track.
13: All right. If, if I'm painting it green and gold for the Olympics, maybe I'll name it Ben.
3: Okay. Big Ben. Yeah, Big yeah. Ben. Take it. Absolutely. And there you go. You. And then that's the one time you say yes to Channel 7. I'm going to like thanks to Big Ben for getting me to the bottom of the track. It worked a
0: treat. <laughs>
3: Got that gold around your neck.
24: I looked back at that and, and thought, well, why were we any different from... You know the many other olympians and and medalists that came before us and i think one of the big things is that well first of all curling gets a lot of publicity here in in manitoba uh and and in canada in general uh so i think that was part of it i think the other part of it is a lot of olympians that are from manitoba have to go out of province Mm -hmm. and centralize with their teams or with their programs in order to get to the olympics so they go to calgary or they go to vancouver or they go to montreal or toronto whatever it is they have to centralize somewhere else in order to achieve that dream whereas with curling we can live where we were born and raised mm. right so i think that there was an aspect of that to it is that people saw us out in the community and i mean we had you know, reasonable amount of fanfare probably prior to that, because we'd won a number number of Scotty's championships and, and had a lot of media coverage, but uh, it was certainly on another level when we won the Olympics and to come home to that. And I do think that that's partly because we live and train in Winnipeg and not most other Olympians don't do that. Mm-hmm. So when we came home, it was, I remember we landed in Winnipeg. I think it was like maybe 10, 930 or 10 o'clock at night. There was um, one of the news stations from Winnipeg was broadcasting their whole newscast from the Winnipeg airport. They had the red carpet rolled out. There was 300, like literally red carpet rolled out for us. Um, There was like 300 people there, kids that were up late. And the funny thing was, is that in Winnipeg that night, it was like minus 45 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. It was so cold. And yet all these people came out, they brought their kids that should have been in bed. They had, you know, like I said, the news, the news people were there. Like it took us over two hours to get out of the airport wow. that night. Um, I don't know, somebody grabbed our bags for us because we couldn't even make it to the, uh, you know, the carousel to get our bags because there were so many people that wanted to meet and greet us. It was amazing. It was so, so cool and so special to have that, opportunity. It was, it was really, really cool.
4: But I feel like Nagano was the first one, uh, at least for the winter games where I really had like my full focus on, I think curling was one of the big things about that. I mean, at least here in Canada, for there, sure. was, there was so much media hype because you know this is one of our national sports. Uh, did yeah. you feel like in Japan, there was that interest? Like what were the crowds like when you got there?
25: Uh, it was oddly quiet. I hate to say it that way, but it, it, you have to remember this is before social media. If, you, if people can go back into their memory banks, <laughs> before there were you know, everyone had a cell phone, and you know we used to get our news. There was a dial-up internet, one computer. Screen, <laughs> but really, people didn't even communicate that way. Like it was just you read the newspapers and you, you kind of heard about things, you know, word of mouth. Um, you know, big, big, big event at that, at the Olympic Games was uh, Ross Bagliati yeah. testing positive for marijuana. We only heard about it from another coach. We never actually saw any media coverage of it, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. um, we never really were swept up in in the hype. So the first, our first impression was was odd. We uh, we we you know we come from playing the Olympic Trials final in Brandon, Manitoba. At uh, the Keystone Center, there you would know that building well mm-hmm. if you're from Winnipeg, and yeah. and uh, you know there's seven or eight thousand people to the rafters, and then we go to the Olympics, and there's like twelve hundred people. Mm-hmm. The, the the arena is full as it can be, but there's only twelve hundred people there, so it felt it felt uh, oddly quiet and maybe a little bit smaller than we expected, and certainly we didn't have the um, appreciation of of the global impact. Of what the Olympic Games is now. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, like you said, that curling has a huge part of the games. I mean, after that, uh, since since ninety eight two thousand two onward, I've covered every 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 Olympics uh, broadcasting. So I know how much airtime curling gets. It gets a lot of airtime mm-hmm. up here in Canada and around the world. I mean, they get they get the biggest audiences watching curling. So we really didn't have an appreciation of it at the time. I guess is the best way to put it. And and uh, but it certainly didn't diminish our experience as athletes. I mean, it was great, just great to be involved there and, you know, meeting all the other athletes and on, on the bigger team, that's kind of the fun part.
4: Now, you have to ask about something else because uh, last year I was at Toys R Us shopping for uh, my son's birthday and uh, I walked past your doll, like, which to me blew my mind that there's a Canadian Olympic medalist who has their own action figure, doll, whatever you want to call it. I mean, as far as I know, this is also the first time since maybe Barbara Ann Scott that a Canadian Olympic or Olympian has actually had their own doll. Uh, How did that come about?
12: Well, they've recently added um, some of the hockey women to the roster uh, in the Barbie family, which has been amazing to see. I'm so proud of them. But Yeah. I mean, what a moment that was for me. I think I, I, everything I do, I strive to empower women and young girls, especially. And I love what Barbie has done in their mission to really help young girls find their self-esteem, their sense of self-worth. And so much of that can be done through play and using our imagination when we're kids. I mean, we, we know that feeling when you're Four or five years old, and you think you can grow up and be anything, you can do anything, and I love that. And it's so sad when and when we lose that because, um, you know, there are these different societal pressures that are placed on us. So, yeah, you know, working with my costume designer to make sure that it, the likeness was accurate, and really seeing the doll come to life, watching my nieces play with it is really special, and it's been a really humbling and inspiring uh, collaboration.
4: And you know, it's funny because I, I I thought about buying that for my nieces too. But then I thought to myself, you know, I've got a four-year-old boy. I've got twins that are turning to him. Like, I wouldn't have a problem with them playing with this. I mean, they'd have an Olympic hero, you know, toy to play with. And that's something that course, I wouldn't want yeah. them to eat it or wreck it. So maybe this is a young age for them, but got to pick <laughs> no, it up sure. at some point, right? <laughs> I
12: love that. You're right. And boys, girls, who, it doesn't matter. I, you know, we can all play. We can all use our imaginations. I think that's the beauty of it.
14: even in sports like speed skating figure skating they don't have that financial backing that they need um and when you're talking about an organization like nordic my canada or ski jumping canada we especially do not have that support the way the system works in canada plainly i mean there's obviously a lot of different factors but plainly it's based off of performance of your top male female athlete uh so if your top male and female athlete both get olympic medals you're going to have a good four years right next year sports going to be funded um it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you. Uh, if your sport gets zero medals, you can pretty much say goodbye to your funding. Uh, Nordic combined has never had an Olympic medal in any, in, you know, any year. And it doesn't matter. We've never had an Olympic medal.
4: And that's the history so, of the Olympics. Like as far back as winter Olympics go.
14: Yeah. There's never been a Canadian Nordic mine athlete with Olympic medal. So we've had great success. I mean, we've had, uh athletes, especially on the ski jumping side, you know, horse Bulau, athletes like that who have world championships medals, uh, World Cup wins. But if it's not Olympic medal, it doesn't. Like that is what Canada is looking mm-hmm. for. And that's I mean, that makes sense because it's that's all that gets shown. I mean every four years you see those sports like Nordic combined or ski jumping that you you don't see. So mm-hmm. you got one chance to kind of make an impact, that you know, you you gotta do it. Whereas we we just don't we're not there yet so uh, it's it's basically it's it's kind of like trickle down economics Mm -hmm. more or less it's you know the the sports that get medals get money but then the question is well how are the sports that don't get money ever expected to get medals
4: yeah exactly
14: it's a bit of a it's a bit of a chicken before the egg scenario
2: Initially, he uh, had taken a a football coaching job in high school and was also teaching biology. But the very cool story was that uh, after his first year of coaching football at Alamosa High School, which is a small community down in southern Colorado, he uh, just after school one day kind of wandered into the gymnasium where the track team was going to have a a preseason meeting. Well, only three boys showed up to that meeting and it turned out that the head coach at that time for track said, well, I guess we're not going to have a track season. And Coach V, kind of looked to the side and saw that their tears were getting in these boys' eyes. And uh, he went home that night, told his wife, he said, you know what, I'm going to see if I can help those boys somehow. He didn't know what the heck he was going to do, but he just thought, you know, I'm going to try to help those boys somehow. So he went back to school the next day, asked the head coach and asked the principal, is it okay if I try to help these boys? And they said, yeah, 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 go ahead. But there's no budget. We have no money for you. We can't pay you. Etc. Etc. Well, he ended up, uh, those three boys made it to the state meet. One of them earned a state medal. And uh, that was kind of his beginning in track and field. What turned out the following year was that he had asked to be the head coach for track and field. And, uh, <clears throat> but they also wanted him to be the head coach for football. But at the school at the time, they had a rule that you could only be the head coach for one sport. So Coach Hill, who was this local hero, so to speak, in football, you know, big, burly guy, strong guy, very powerful guy, uh, could have become the head coach for football, or he could have, uh, in my book, I say he could, he could meander over to this uh, strange sport that he just came to know by, by happenstance. And uh, with that decision to make, he chose track and field, which is just pretty remarkable. And so that was his introduction to becoming a track and field coach. And that was that would not be the path that you know you would have thought he would have taken. You'd have thought that he would have pursued the football opportunity. Yeah. But he, after a year of coaching these boys and seeing what little bit about what track and field was about, he decided he wanted to pursue that.
0: (laughs) And.
3: (laughs) Jared doesn't find it funny. Um, there <laughs> what we go. was our great. last clip? If it was something that was terribly sad. It was Pat.
14: You tell oh, me, Pat, what was the okay. Pat story?
4: <laughs> no, it I wasn't know, that sad, but we shouldn't be laughing.
3: Um, but no, great trip down memory lane because we all just sat here for two hours listening to it before we started talking about these, clearly. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's I, I still am, am very baffled that we made it to 100 episodes, but I'm glad. Um, I mean, it does help when you literally cover the Olympics every single day, so you get about 16, <laughs> 17, 18 episodes. Uh, so nearly half our episodes are based on that. But, um, I mean, we've then had a bunch of interviews, which have been very, very good. But... Um, Jared, I, I saw Colin and I were talking before all of those about our favourite interviews. And I know, like, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here to be a dick, like, as I would talk to you about, do you listen to that? But of the interviews that you have listened to, have, have you had a particular a favourite? Uh, well, I did love the
5: Ziggy interview.
3: Um,
5: may have listened more so for Survivor than the Olympics. <laughs> so I listened to both of those. Um, and then I mentioned before Tom O'Halloran. It was just nice to hear about the. Sp- the sport of sport climbing. Um, yeah, going into the Olympics wasn't exactly sure what it was about, so it was nice for that to be clarified and to hear an athlete's
3: perspective on kind of the changes to the sport and the combined discipline that they've brought in. Well, I remember when I talked to Elle Easton uh, last year that like, yeah, I was like you and like, I think she kind of set me on it and I watched some clips and because I remember when that was announced during Rio, we are all like, what the fuck? Like the rock <laughs> climbing in the Olympics, like what the hell? We were all bagging it out. But um, this could be honestly one of the sports I'm most looking forward to and obviously we'll talk a little bit more about that now, Tokyo preview episode, but yeah, to learn a lot more about that was very fascinating. Uh, very interesting with all of that there. Um, obviously, though, now, uh, episode 101, we've already recorded. Colin, you tease that on our episode one, And uh, we, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't know even know if it will be episode 101 because we might yeah. have to bump that back.
4: <laughs> I might, might have, 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 have to cybers. change our intro there. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, well, in all, in all seriousness, episode 101, uh, that is 101 right now, that might be 105 or something like that. Like, tell us about the one that we've at least got bank ready to go. Do you want to... Boil it. Do you want to tease it? What do you want to? Because it is a he is a Tokyo athlete. He is competing in Tokyo.
4: Yeah, I mean, not only is he a Tokyo athlete, I think he's going to be our uh, most competed interview we've ever had because he debuted in Sydney and has competed in every summer Olympics since then, with the exception of uh, Rio, where he was injured. So he is about to become a five-time Olympian. And otherwise, if he had qualified Rio, he would have been a six-time Olympian. And even says he's not even planning to retire. I'm like, okay, this guy wants to go out on top or whatever. He's got a book coming out. His name's Abdi Abdurman. Uh, He's a distance runner for the US. And uh, I thought he's got a book coming out. He's wrapping up his career. And he's like, Oh, I got no plans to retire. I still like beating these young kids. <laughs> so he, really nice guy. And uh, is great actually getting more distance running because that was kind of the last interview we had was uh, Pat Melgaris, who wrote the, the book on the U.S. distance running coach, uh, uh, Joe Heave Vigil. So we got lots of distance running stuff. Uh, I did want to mention too, with um, a couple of the interviews that you heard here, uh, two of them in particular that uh, were two of my favorite ones. I mean, John Montgomery, that was sort of like one of our dream interviews. And uh, when I did meet him, uh, when he did the, the the Christmas tree lighting ceremony here in Winnipeg, which oh, didn't uh, even remember <laughs> you. <laughs> well, what was here's the coolest thing. I mean, John Montgomery—that is, if you're in Canada, you're going to understand this more than you'd be outside of Canada. But that is as big of a name as you can get because he's our guy that's more associated with what he does away from the Olympics now than he is with the Olympics. And he was one of our biggest Olympic names. He's the host of the Amazing Race Canada. You know, he's done a lot of other stuff and uh he's from manitoba here and the christmas tree lighting ceremony was originally supposed to be a big outdoor thing and we had this massive windstorm so last minute they moved it into the middle of a mall he's there he does it he stops he meets everybody and when i meet him i sort of casually mention you know oh you know i actually do an olympics podcast and an amazing race podcast you know so i you're pretty much all i talk about i didn't say can you do an interview He goes oh i should come on for an interview <laughs> and so why don't you, he goes, why don't you so reach go, out is to it me? it off the
3: podium? I listen to it all the
4: time. That's <laughs> number four
1: on the top 50 podcasts
3: yeah. of the Olympics.
4: But, but what was great about him is that this guy who's about as big as you get. And we've talked about this, how we interview people and it's not disparaging them, but people who are like low athletes and low sports and it's their publicists we're going through. John Montgomery says, reach out to me on the social media, <laughs> which is exactly the way he talks.
3: On the social media. Yeah. <laughs>
4: And I find, I'm like, okay, here's his website. So I messaged. I was wondering if, uh, you know, John, I had recently met John. I was wondering if he'd be interested in coming on for an interview. John Montgomery himself replies from his own email. I just like, sure, sounds like fun when you (laughs) want to do it. Uh, And we do the interview, and there were a bunch of delays because he couldn't get Skype to work. He couldn't get Zoom to work. And then all of a sudden, he's like, here's my phone number. Just call me. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you know, I've only really got about 20, 30 minutes here. I mean, He talked to me for 45 minutes, and I think in the clip you heard, Already, we were at like the forty-minute mark, and he's like, "Let me tell you a story." And uh, that that story about uh, you know our favorite hockey player that he met and the autograph and everything. Uh, he, I think we said in that interview, you know, oh, you know what? You send me a picture of that, and I'll send you the picture that I have with my Doug Gilmore rookie card in front of you know this picture that's behind me right now. And he goes, "Sure, let's do it." Now I send him the picture, fully expecting he's never going to reply. About three months later, I get a random email from John Montgomery saying, "Hey, I was digging through my attic, and I actually found this, and I thought you'd enjoy it." <laughs> again, you never expect one of the biggest Olympians to do that. And the other one, uh, Sammy Joe Smalls. Mm. Uh, first of all, I do want to mention there's another clip you don't hear on uh, this episode that you should go back and hear because Flynn Flawn was such a big thing in our coverage of the Olympics. Our bid for Flynn Flawn. And uh, after the interview, we do talk a little bit about Flin Flon and our bid for it uh, in the interview with her. And after the interview was over, uh, the clip that we talked about with the the, the squirrel bike, uh, I, I emailed her and said, hey, can you send us that picture? She immediately replies and said, here's the picture, which was absolutely hilarious. Uh, and then about, I think, a couple hours later, it might have been three, four hours later, I get another email from her saying, I just saw this online and thought you guys would enjoy it. And it was a straight out of Flin Flon and the style is straight out of Compton T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what was so, it? it?
3: was in Santa Slay? They was wearing a Flin Flon hockey jersey. It was a well. hockey Didn't jersey. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. So flinflons just become a thing on all of our shows, but yeah, so, some really nice Olympians, and I, I think those two especially were such great storytellers. And also, I will say one that was really hard to get a clip from was the Brittany McLean one, and Brittany McLean uh, was sort of a fluke. We ended up talking to her because. You didn't want to talk to you. us. She didn't. She, she had <laughs> because heard she, all the curse and was mounting
0: well, a comeback. <laughs>
3: yeah, it, it, it was basically because, yeah, she, I was dealing with her to try – because she, she's like the publicist or a publicist for the Canadian Olympic Committee mm-hmm. and sort of was dealing with her to organize some certain mm-hmm. interviews. And then I sort of said to her, like, hey, would you like to be interviewed? And she was like, oh, not yeah. really. And then twisted her arm apparently. <laughs> so.
4: Yeah. Well, and what was interesting about uh, with her is that I, I don't even think we realized when she started emailing because we just reached out and they had a publicist get in contact with us. Oh, who would you like to talk to? And then you Googled and you're like, she was an Olympian herself. And I think you just sort of asked her, but yeah, for a while it was like, oh, well, let's see, you know, maybe later down the road. Uh, but between when we first started emailing her and then when we uh, did the interview with her, she actually started doing uh, some TV work Yeah. Uh, where CBC, every single weekend, CBC does their Olympics coverage, where they'll show old Olympic events and sometimes it's Olympic trials and uh she sort of started doing the the introducing of those clips and just this past weekend she actually moved over to the commentating team so very good chance she's going to be the commentator for the real olympics for swimming uh right. and, but on that interview tokyo, colin Tokyo. oh yeah tokyo sorry I mean, she could be for real if you
3: could have a time machine i don't know but
4: or she's just gonna go back and recommentate commentate uh, yeah. to, to cover up for our other one but uh what was interesting about hers is that she's she's way better storyteller than I think anybody else we've ever had on the show. So and it's not in no way saying this is a criticism, but her clips were like five six minutes long because you asked her a question and she had like this incredible way of telling a story and getting into the history and everything. Uh, so that would be one that I'd say you know we could easily have Brittany McLean on the show again and probably get more out of her than we would any of our you know current swimming stars.
3: Before we discuss the episodes, sort of, we 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 have started discussing. Obviously, you mentioning one there, but I just actually I wanted to do this at the beginning, but I'd quickly go over this now. I've got some stats just for our first hundred episodes, just for sort of the athletes that we've had on the show. So we've had forty athletes on the show, and again, I'm not including the, the sort of ones that were based on a former show that I hosted. They're sort of just the the brink vault we call those ones. Um, we have covered nine summer sports. And nine winter sports, so uh, we've nearly covered all of the winter sports and barely any of the summer sports, but it is our goal. We are trying to sort of eventually get somebody on from every single sport. Um, In terms of the Olympics, we've covered 15 different Olympics from Calgary 88 onwards. And with your – I'm including stats. This is actually kind of cheating because I'm including the stats for our our next interview that you've already done, Colin, because that was our – he actually was the first time we've ever had someone on from Sydney, believe it or not, or from Athens, which I find it very hard to believe that we had never interviewed anyone from Sydney or that before. But um, here's a trivia question for you two. Of all the Olympic Games since 1988, which three have we not had an athlete from? And this is winter and summer. They're both looking at I'm me gonna blankly.
4: say I'm going to say Athens is one.
3: No, because I just gave you the answer. Oh, sorry. No,
4: no, I, meant, I meant Atlanta. I meant Atlanta. Correct.
3: Atlanta is one of them. Atlanta's no. And
4: no. I'm also going to say Barcelona is another one. Mm,
3: correct. Yes. There's one more, which if you think about... Pat, no, we've had a Lillahammer, We've had three Lillehammer athletes on this show. <laughs> Tokyo. No. Because <laughs> we've technically had two Tokyo athletes. I'm running this, through so. the Olympics here. Uh, Albertville. No, we've had three Albertville athletes on the show.
4: <laughs> well, just tell us already, Ben.
3: I'm thinking, think of the pattern that Jared, you just did. You- Go Jared. Let's think of the pattern that Colin just did. Atlanta, Barcelona.
4: Oh, I know. I'll give Jared the chance.
3: Yeah, that one that's after it. <laughs> No, uh, no, the one before Seoul. it. yes, you've got to have Seoul. We have not had anyone from 88. But, yeah, no, interestingly enough, every Winter Olympics since 1988, we've had an athlete on. Um, and uh, Pyeongchang is our most. We've had 13 athletes from Pyeongchang. Rio with 12. Uh, Sochi with 11. And our, so outside of Rio, our next summer games is London. We had seven athletes on. Vancouver, we've had seven. Five from Nagano. There you go. Uh, oh. One of my favourite Olympics. Yeah, one from Athens, one from Sydney, who technically we haven't heard from yet. Um, but yeah, three from Lillehammer, three from Albertville, one from Calgary. Of course, that leads me into our countries represented on this show, mainly Canadian, mainly Australian, obviously. We've had uh, 21 Australians, 16 Canadians, two Americans. Well, one is about to appear on the show. And a Jamaican. Can I just point out, we interviewed, uh, what's his name? The Jamaican bobsled original yeah, bobsled. Yeah, Devin Harris. Devin Harris, thank you very much. Um... And I, w- I won't go over this now, but when we get to our ba- our Tokyo preview, I do have a complete list here of how every single PyeongChang athlete went after appearing on this show. So oh, we're going to no. write out a list of all of our pre-Tokyo <laughs> guests and we're going to keep track of how they go to see if we can break the curse. Uh, because we've had a lot of medalists on this show, uh, <laughs> but just not of the variety. We of- haven't helped, though. <laughs> so I'm literally looking here that in total medals won... Uh, there has been 17 gold, 7 silver, and 12 bronze. Medals won before the interview (laughs) were uh, 17 gold, 7 silver, and 11 bronze. After the interview, one bronze. (laughs) In a If you're listening... Uh, so, between now and uh, the game, so again, by the time you're listening to this, we're literally weeks away, about three weeks away. So, we are planning on doing a full preview episode, and we're going to try and make this... I, I know we did a, a Rio preview, but we're going to do extensive preview. I'm talking, we're going to name athletes. I want you two to do your homework. Like, I'm oh, literally making your homework. I can't, Colin, I'm expecting you to tell me which Canadian's going to win a bronze, which Canadian's going to win fourth, which Canadian's going to win fifth, because you're not winning any gold, clearly. And then Jared... <laughs> Because I'm telling you now, the AOC have now officially said we're no longer going to predict our medal count because we think it puts pressure on the athletes, to which I agree with. Screw you, AOC. No, don't say that, Ben, the AOC. We love the AOC. I hope you're listening to the show. Um, is this because
4: of the Campbell sisters?
3: It is because of the Campbell sisters. I'm <laughs> blaming uh, is the Campbell the AOC sisters? or Swiss? <laughs> well, well, well. Um, but uh, we, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us to predict the medal tally. I think we did that with uh, Gold Coast, and I don't even know if we went over how we went with that. We're gonna predict medals. We're gonna predict this. We're gonna predict that. And just, just do your homework, people, because we're gonna have a very extensive preview episode uh, going into that as well. But before that, as well, um, obviously we've got the one. Re- interview already recorded. Uh, a few others potentially lined up. We actually potentially have some Tokyo athletes on the show. Obviously, they're not that busy. Uh, three weeks before an Olympics, oh, we might go off the podium. Um, maybe they hurt this reputation that we have. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to win a medal if we go on that podcast. Uh, so stay tuned for that. So we might have some ones thrown th- thrown at you thick and fast. Um, and also, I will say that we may have an emergency episode. Potentially, on the eve of the Olympics, if all goes to plan, Australia will be hosting the 2032 Olympics. Brisbane have all but essentially been given the green light to go for it. Everything is essentially waiting for a vote, which is happening the night before the Tokyo Olympics. And we haven't done an episode on this yet. We're going to do one as soon as Damn. it's now. I mean, it might end up just being Jared Damn. and I. Colin's not happy about this. What's up with your goat? Because Colin we just talked about the curse. You shouldn't have, you could have just left it as we <laughs> might have an emergency
4: episode and it would happen. But guess what? It's going to be going to, I don't know. Um, flit Flon now, today, maybe <laughs> help me. No, Now, now I've, said all, it, I've cursed us. No.
3: <laughs> all the cities that were bidding have basically got all well and they've basically all stepped aside. Well, so. If there's a way to screw it up, Ben will find it. True, true. But, uh, yeah, once, once I'm, this is the one confident thing I'm ever saying on this show. When Brisbane <laughs> gets the official nod in about three weeks time, the eve before Tokyo, we will come together again. It might just be Jared and I, we don't know if Colin really wants to come on and talk about Australia winning the Olympics, but, uh, it's, it's a big deal and, uh, we will want to celebrate it and lots of layers to, to Brisbane, uh, 99.9% having the Olympics. So, uh, Get excited. Get pumped. Uh, We might even talk about the video game. I bought it. I've played it for like a day. It's okay. Jared, are you a gamer? Are you going to play the official Tokyo video game at all? No, my Olympic uh,
5: gaming dreams ended after um, the button mashing of uh, Athens 2004.
3: Great game that was. (laughs) Equestrian. Maybe you could do equestrian in that one. (sighs) the dream but everything xoxoxo l1 yeah. well this one's got like rugby sevens and soccer on it and basketball like it's kind of got more of the team ones on there, i was really excited but one. your
4: your your lack of enthusiasm you well, said it's i
3: i've literally played it like i've played like four events i played it for one night so i haven't gone through the whole thing so i'll do my homework i will play a video game <laughs> um but uh yeah, it's, a, it's the first time we've had an official Olympic video game since London. Uh, I mean, technically, you had a Pyeongchang download pack on uh, that snowboarding game, but uh, that was okay. But um, we don't count those Sonic vs. Mario. They're not real. Like, no. they're, they're weird. So, uh, lots to come. We also are hoping potentially to uh, ignite social media with our presence more. Like, we do have a Twitter. Uh, potentially might have an Instagram. Just stay tuned, but uh, search Off the Podium on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date. But um, our 100th episode, people, this is our longest episode by far if you've stuck around for the multiple hours that you're now here. Uh, thanks for that. But uh, it's, it's around the corner, people. Tokyo, can you feel it? You're excited. Colin's got his merchandise. Jared's wearing it. It's Jared, are you going to get yourself an AOC t-shirt? I've got my modern pentathlon one. Come on, you've got to get something lined up.
5: I will. I'm. I'm hoping that they do stock rhythmic gymnastics or some form. They of, do. They do. Oh, well, I mean, that's got to be the
3: go-to then. AOC's website right now. Go buy your team Australia merchandise. Colony, you're gonna head back to the bay and buy a couple of more Team Canada stuff.
4: Yeah, they they have so little for Tokyo. They, they are selling the Jean jacket, which I'm sure everybody has seen our Canadian tuxedos that they're gonna be wearing in the closing ceremonies. <laughs> you can buy that, which I'm 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 actually tempted to pick up. But I actually, I, I like the whole individual sport thing. I wish we did that here. So I may just buy one of the Australian ones.
3: Well, I'm, I'm frothing at the bit that they do it for the winter games in six months. Cause I want my Nordic combined t-shirt. And if they don't bloody do it, I'm going to be, I'm going to be furious, but uh, no, I, I've also got my team. I've got more team Canada stuff than I think you do, Colin. So I'll alternate each day, kind of how it goes, but I'm so excited. I'm so pumped up three weeks away from an Olympic games. It feels like it's been forever. Cause it has, we've had to wait an extra bloody year for the damn thing. So, uh, Bring it on. Jarrett, it is a pleasure to see your face. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you for all your help in the first 100 episodes, and I look forward to speaking to you more in the coming weeks. Yeah, straight back at you. Um, looking forward to all the coverage coming up. And Colin, I see you enough. But thanks for joining no, us right. on the 100th episode.
4: I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to be sick a little bit more during Tokyo and <laughs> leave you be for a while. Thank you. I appreciate that.
3: Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. To everyone who has tuned in for all 100 episodes, we really appreciate your support. And uh, we we'll look forward to the next 100 more off the podium. Stay tuned for more. so.
1: These are ridiculous.